0: Hey, welcome to the 246th episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony, and this is the podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Big shout-out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be Awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. Currently, it's all about Moon Knight. It's still about Moon Knight. We're looking back at the classic Moon Knight. We just did a Moon Knight, Werewolf by Night, like first appearance, which is totally different than his first appearance in Moon Knight number one, 1980. So you can hear all about that. Sometimes talk about movies, sometimes talk about other things. It's all there. So more and more and more. But... If you can't commit to monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee. dot com slash heck. You can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or three. That is k o dash dot com slash gmanfromheck. So with this week, there's a uh, not a whole lot, and I know I've said that in the past, and still like ramble on. I don't know about what. There's just a uh, some shows are just not on this week. You know, Moon Knight ended. Severance's sadly. <laughs> off it's a win second season two but like uh, superman lois wasn't on this week and wh- what else do i normally talk about i mean so what we have we have the flash we have the man who fell to earth we have two episodes of made for love that's it for tv i you know there are some other things that i i started watching shining shining girls is that what it is i think there's like four episodes out now because they dropped like two or three the first week i watched two of them and it's Who's in it? Is it Elizabeth Moss? Is that her name? She was in Mad Men, Invisible Woman. It's a. I don't really know how to describe it. It's basically. It almost feels like there's like kind of a multiverse weirdness going on because there, you know, something happened to the main character when she was a kid. You know, there's this you know dude who's like a serial killer or something like that, and stuff's happening to her where like her life is changed. She's like remembering different lives. Cause you know, one thing, one, one part she has a cat and then suddenly, you know, she goes to her place. She has a dog instead of a cat. And you know, she goes to like her mom's place or like that. And the dude's like, like, no, you know, she lives a, a, a floor above. So there's like all these weird things. And then there's something else major happened to her. She walks into her apartment and there's like someone else there. So yeah, I got to figure out where, where this is going. And yeah. There's that. But I didn't think it's one because so many episodes had already dropped or anything and I don't know if it's maybe it's a podcast show, but it's it's too late. I feel like that it's that's what happens when they drop more than one episode a week. It's just hard and then it's I feel like it's too late because people already watch it it's after the fact. And I know that's kind of a lame excuse. But anyways, let's just get started <laughs> since I'm just I'm filling up time. Say this why I talk about ramble on, right? With uh the news, uh bummer news I think Modoc on Hulu got canceled. One season. I guess we should be happy we got the one season because that was kind of questionable. You know, this was from Marvel TV. Marvel TV kind of like went away and like Marvel Studios kind of took over. That's why we didn't get like the Howard the Duck show and Tiger Tiger and Dazzler, some weird weird thing like that. So it felt like okay, so someone else is developing this and Marvel Studio, whoever's working there, they're like, well, why do we want to do something to someone else, you know, it has their fingerprints type of thing on there, and not, not. I, don't know, I I think it's just a matter of that, and and there's also who who gets a credit for it, you know who's working. in – I don't. Know, it's just it's it seems weird because it's all the same characters and all that, and I'm I'm surprised we 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 still got the ones. I'm glad, so glad, and it was probably a matter of like, well, the show is already like almost finished, so we might as well f- finish it and put it out. And still, you know, get some some sort of hopefully return out of it. So it's too bad. Because I mean there's, there's so many cameos from other characters. It was just so surprising. I and I, I thought it was funny. So it's too bad about that. As far as CW shows, there's a few getting canceled. Uh Naomi got canceled after one season. And I, I think there's like a big cliffhanger for the first one. I only watched the first episode and it just it just wasn't for me. It just didn't work. I mean, it was weird because it's like it wasn't in the arrow universe. And it just, I don't know, it it just didn't really, really jive with me. I've said so many times about Naomi, the comic book character. I think she's an okay character. I feel like I hardly know her. And you know, she's immediately elevated to being a Justice League member. I don't understand that when there's characters who have been around a lot longer. I don't know. I feel even though I I feel like I've read all of her appearances. I haven't read like I think there's is there's like a second second season comic or something like that. But I read all of her appearances before, and I don't see what like earned her to write above other characters being an just, But whatever. So I mean, it, it's too bad. I don't wish any show to get canceled because even though it may not be for me, there could be many, many, many others that like it. And I also look at it as all the people involved with it, all these people that this was their job, and it sucks for them. That like now it's like oh man now I got to find a new gig what am I gonna do and you know maybe most of them will land under feet or whatever you know production I don't know so it it's, it stinks um, the 4400 also was canceled uh, charmed Roswell so it's kind of like CW is like let's get rid of it because there, there's a rumor that Warner Brothers is looking to sell the CW which is weird because then would they whoever they sell it to are they still gonna air like Warner Brothers characters, you know, how how does that work? I don't know. But apparently, despite all this stuff getting canceled, Gotham Knights, the weird Batman sort of, you know, Batman is dead and, and who's the kids of the villains are being accused. That show got pushed to series along with the Winchesters, which is, I guess, a spinoff of some show called, uh, what's it called? Super, supersonic, Super, super duper supernatural, something like that. I think it was a show that I think it was was on for a few seasons, maybe something like that. I think people liked it. So, yeah, the show called uh, the Winchesters, at least because, like, what else is CW going to be showing? Uh, Riverdale, <laughs> I think that's still going, but actually, some exciting news. So, Jeremy, what's his name? Jeremy Jeremy Slater, is that the writer from Moon Knight? He had mentioned, I think it was an interview with comicbook.com. Where he said that two of uh, the executive producers for Moon Knight, Grant Curtis and Nick Pepin, uh, they've officially signed on to be executive producers for Fantastic Four. So that's cool. I think that that's really cool. And uh, according to what I read, is one of the first things they need to do is is find a director. So I don't. I mean, I don't know who I would want as a director. And you know, not that anyone's going to ask me. Uh, It seems like, you know, because everyone, and I'm tiptoeing here, because everyone's always like, oh, John Krasinski, John Krasinski. You know, John Krasinski could, he's directed, what, two? He directed both of the Quiet Place movies, right? Um, So he's directed those. Could he direct a superhero movie? You know, that I would probably, I don't see why not. You know, he, those two blockbuster movies, if you want to, you know, I guess they're, they're considered blockbusters, right? I don't know who else it would be. Uh, you know, it could be Sam Raimi. <laughs> I'm sure I would love that. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think you have to be careful. Uh, didn't I? Uh, I think someone uh, Dallas Bryce Howard. Someone was saying. I mean, she's she seems to be more involved, in tuned with the Star Wars stuff. Not that you know she. That's all she wants to do. So I don't know. And you know, I I, I hate to say it, but yeah, it would be awesome to have a woman director. You know why not? You know, because it's only dudes. I don't think they should get a woman director just to get a woman director. You know, you want to get whoever's the best director, whoever's awesome, whoever. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, I can't. How about Martin Scorsese? Doesn't he like superhero? No, he, no, that's right. He hates superhero movies. I don't know who, who I'd want, but it'll be interesting to see what they do. And as far as who's going to play Reed Richards, you know, the thing, would John Krasinski be cast? I, I kind of wonder, it's like, do they want someone? Do they want someone young? Not saying that John Krasinski's old, but with the, the a lot of the core characters like no longer in the MCU, like Iron Man and Captain America. Spoilers, you know. I I feel like with the Fantastic Four, Marvel's going to want to build this like along another franchise, you know, have this going for a while, and you know if they could do. 10 years of Fantastic Four, you know, I'm sure they would love this to have, you know, more. So I think you have to be careful and, you know, don't get an actor. Like, I, again, I love Oscar Isaac as Moon Knight. The guy is, he's he's not going to want to commit to just doing Moon Knight. You know, he's he's doing so many other stuff. So I, I think you really have to be careful, like, who can fit into a schedule and who's willing to commit a good chunk of time. So we'll have to, we'll have to stay tuned for that. Speaking of Marvel, Sana Amanat, is that, I don't know, I've never actually, I don't know if I've heard her name pronounced. So she's a Marvel editor, you know, she's she's been here for a while. She's a co-creator of Ms. Marvel, of, of Kamala, and uh, she talked about Ms. Marvel's new powers and how it's going to be different. She mentioned, you know, talking to G. Will Wilson, you know, co-creator, and saying how it's a while apparently some people are upset that the powers are different. It's controversial that this isn't what the character is like, but they're, they're saying that this is what makes sense for the character. And I, I think really what they're looking at is it doesn't really make sense to say she's an inhuman to, to have the whole inhuman background because inhumans not really like a major thing right now in the MCU. You know, we, we had, The TV series, and unfortunately, that didn't go so well. So, they're really in the MCU proper, we haven't really seen in humans. I mean, kind of, but not really. So, to to try to tie it into that, it's just, I don't know. And I feel like if they're trying to have some sort of cosmic connection, that, you know, maybe they could tie that into something else. And I mean, who knows? I'm going to trust that they know what they're doing. And the fact that we got the co-creators of the comic book character saying that, yeah, this makes sense. And you know, they're involved with the show. So I think if anyone has the right to change things, it's the people who actually created a character. It'd be one thing if Kevin Feige or someone else is like, yeah, we're going to do this. And then the the people correct the created character would be like, um, that that's not what we intended. So, I people should just wait and see, you know, give it a chance to just just see what, what happens. And 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 I'll, I'm sure a lot of people complaining because, again, it's one. I've, I saw it like on one of those hate sites that seems to hate Marvel. Anything Marvel does they are always looking to some reason to hate on them. They probably could care less about Kamala Khan, which is sad, but they're probably just looking at it like, oh, it's controversial. People are angry. There's the shows not even out. It's just like just be quiet. Apparently, the one of the, I don't know how many writers there were, but Doctor Strange, uh, Multiverse of Madness writer, wanted uh, Tom Cruise to appear as Iron Man, and it was mentioned that the rumors were made up that you know that it, he was never actually going to be Iron Man, and there was never any footage that was actually filmed. You know, Tom Cruise was too busy filming the Mission Impossible movies. So it was never going to happen, but it's just so funny. It may, maybe I just didn't pay too much attention because I didn't want to get spoiled in case it was an actual spoiler. But a lot of people are like, "He's going to be in it, whatever." Just, this is that. It's like, no, it was never going to happen. And you know, maybe someone's like, "Oh yeah, I, I want." And it kind of goes back because they were talking about Tom Cruise way back, you know, being Iron Man. So yeah, it, it was never, never actually going to happen. <laughs> um, Loki season two. It, is going to start production next month so that's good that it's it's going to be that means it's it's coming hopefully soon so we have that to look forward to uh Christopher Walken is going to be in the Dune sequel as as the emperor emperor what's his name Shaddam? Shaddam? Shadum something my own concern is like does this mean he's not going to be in Severance season 2 when is Severance season 2 even going to happen i mean maybe they're writing it they're, they don't even have a filming date and who knows if he's gonna be you know i don't know so whatever that that's fine you know happy for him um there's gonna be a new doctor who new doctor who was an announced nakuti Gatwa. i don't know if that's how you say his name so he's gonna be new doctor who he was in a sex education on netflix i only watched a I, I don't even know if I watch more than one episode. Maybe I watch a couple. I don't know. I thought I watched more than one, but I definitely haven't watched more than that. Um, I don't know. I think I remember him in there. I, I could be wrong, but I think it, it's it's good. And I feel like this is what they should have done before: is you know get a person of color and then make the doctor you know change a gender if if you want to do that. So. I, I'm I'm looking forward to this, this to see what, what what they do and you know I'm, I'm sure some people won't be happy because pe- some people are never happy about anything but this this, this is going to be be kind of cool. AMC has a new show coming out called Alan Wake. They're going to be looking at. I've never heard of Alan Wake. I don't know how I haven't heard about it. Well, one, it was an Xbox 360 game, I guess, but it was 2010 was it just not a good game that i never heard about it because 2010 i was around the giant bomb yeah i was definitely around the giant bomb guys not yeah that was before we went to Gamespot, so i should have heard about it you know i, I was they're literally sitting you know maybe five ten feet for me but i never heard of it. so no idea i don't even know what to i don't know if that's cool i don't even know anything so okay there was a trailer for Paper Girls. So Paper Girls, uh, Brian K. Vaughn and Cliff Chang. And that's going to be on Prime. The It's a total teaser. doesn't really show us a whole lot. Does It doesn't tell the average person really anything, except that there's like four, I think it's four girls, right? I do like the the use of colors. I, I don't even, monochromatic, a chromatic color. I don't even know. I don't know what I'm talking about. But it, I thought it was kind of cool because it just reminds me of just like, that's how the covers were for the comics, right? If, if I remember correctly. I'm looking forward to that. I, I I enjoyed that series. I don't think I ever finished it, sadly. Um, I, I have the issues. I just, I stopped reading it, and I think that was just in between, like, whatever. But then I did end up getting, like, the the big, like, full whatever series. So I need to, I should need, yeah, I should probably finish that before. Well, I don't need to finish it before the series starts, but I'm I'm looking forward to that, that, that. Hopefully, will be very cool. There is also a trailer for Westworld season four. I don't know how i feel about this show. I mean, this show one. It it seems like every time the new season starts, I'm always like, what the heck? How did the the last season end? I totally don't remember. I completely forget. It's usually some big something big crazy. There's a big climatic bonkers season finale. But I always forget what happens. So definitely, please do a recap video before the season starts on, on HBO. If you're listening, uh, it they use uh, Lou Reed's "Perfect Day." I I really like that song. I mean, it's it's a great song. It almost feels like man that that's too easy to put that really cool whatever. I don't know how you describe it. But then there's like so much going on. And I, th- I think that's that's the part that kind of gets me with the show is just the one it's it's one thing when you have a lot of weird things and connections and you know, kind of like hints and teases about stuff that's gonna make sense later. I I can appreciate that. I mean, I look at me, I, I mean Twin Peaks is my all-time favorite thing, and that is just so full of mystery and stuff that doesn't make sense. But with this, I almost feel like with the last couple season or whatever. There's just, like, so many different layers, and, and, you know, it started off as just being in this Western world, and now we got these other worlds and other people, and and the the present day, and just, there's just so so many things going on. But is that really a a valid complaint? I don't know. So... I, I think the other thing I, what I'm concerned about is like trying to do a recap, trying to talk about it. And then just like trying to remember like, okay, who is this character? What's this? Cause I'm horrible with character names. So yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I, mean, I feel like I should include that when it comes on, but I don't know. We'll see. And then uh, the last bit of news is kind of, it's, it's sad news, tragic news. Uh, George Perez passed away last weekend and um, you know, everyone knew it was coming. He said, "I think he said, you know, to announce when he had like six months to live." Uh, he's just like, "Yeah, I'm. I'm not going to go continue treatment. I just want to, you know, go peacefully. You know, spend time with my my family, friends, whatever." And he was a legend. I mean, it's just so amazing. If you look at all the stuff he did, and just, a, just the just a detail he put in. Oh my goodness, man! I can't imagine like teen titans without his his fingerprints on it i mean you, you they existed before but it's you know the, the george perez marv wolfman run i was like oh man it's just such such good stuff and like the wonder woman and you know uh avengers and justice league, you know crisis on Infinite earth's a uh, justice league versus avengers or whatever that was called uh man so it's, it's very sad and uh but with that, that that's gonna be the news i got nothing else with comic books at Image Comics, there was a crossover issue 13. I'm kind of curious how many issues this is going to be. You know, like is is there a, a finite number? It kind of feels like things are gearing towards the end, but then it, it does kind of take this little turn where maybe there, there's something more going on. And I I have been enjoying this. You know, it's it's kind of weird. I I keep saying the the unfortunate big. The the biggest drawback for me is I feel like, and we don't have to have it, but I, I feel like you know there should be some Marvel or or DC characters here, but because of the unfortunate legal rights, you know, it's probably too much of a headache to even attempt it. We've had a hint at you know some of them, and we've seen sort of little teases like maybe like an arm is like is that Spider Man's arm there or whatever. So it just would have been cool if it could have been completely open-ended like that, because that's what the story is like, kind of asking for and, and what it deserves. So, but but there's definitely been some interesting things with just the idea of these characters being alive and coming into the real world, and then like the fact that you have these writers who created these characters and interacting and just all this stuff going on there. Uh, the, the fact that like Donnie Cates is, is a character in there, and you know we've seen like you know Brian Michael Bendis and Robert Kirkman, all these characters. It almost feels like it's it's it, uh, t- too much, but at uh, that's what the story calls for as well, so that's fine. So I, I'm I'm really curious to see like how this is going where this is gonna go. Then there is Eight Billion Genies. This is an eight issue series. This is by Charles Soule and Ryan Brown. And uh, this is kind of interesting. Basically, everyone gets their own genie. Genies appear, and they're like, you can make one wish. You can wish for anything you want, but you only get one wish. And uh, you can admit every single person getting a wish. That's just going to be like pure chaos. And it it basically, the story takes place in this bar, and the dude, the bartender, he makes a wish, Right away, with he's he's like, I wish that whatever happens out there doesn't affect what's happening in here, which is kind of smart in a way. You know, he's protecting his place. So if um, like let's let's say he says like, ever someone wished for, I wish everyone turned blue like Avatar characters or people, everyone would be blue unless you were inside the Bard and you're still gonna be normal. But then, but just the fact that man, you use your wish on that. That's it so i mean it, it still could be the world outside could be just like completely destroyed or ravaged and you know your bar survived but how long can it survive if there's nothing else like it? so it, it yeah it's i i'm, I'm really curious where this is going to go so that, that was that was pretty interesting then uh there was uh there's like a bunch of image first came out uh King of Spies trade paperback. I definitely recommend that. So that's Mark Miller and Matteo Scalera, and uh, this this was a this was a really cool story. And this I think this is this is a really good example how not everything has to be like an, a complete you know ongoing series or attempt that because you know this was finite from the beginning, and I th- I think it just it told a really good story. Carmen also came out. So this is a uh, the Guillaume March comic. It's really um really kind of interesting at first i wasn't sure if it was like kind of gratuitous you know there, there's nudity in here it's like is it fully necessary and and no it's not fully necessary but it does make sense for the, the terms of the story so it's interesting to see how how all that you know played out um noctera issue 10 um I'm I'm enjoying this, but now I'm starting to get a point. It's like, well, okay, we're we're at issue ten. It's like, you know, where where is this going? You know, how long is this gonna? You know, like what is happening? Because you know, the world is in darkness, and can can it be cured? And just the fact that our heroes, you know, our characters are working with this Blacktop Bill guy, and you know, can he be trusted? Probably not. And then they're trying to get to this one place, and so yeah. It, it's kind of interesting to to see what's going on i love the art i mean tony daniels art i feel like it's never been better i mean it's just it's just so good and yeah so we'll see and of course there you know there's like cliffhangers and stuff happening so we'll we'll have to wait till next month to see where it's going to go um time before time i still need to get caught up on that i know i say that i'm totally lame with that so issue 12 came out so that that's I, i think that that's good it's still going. I don't know, and I don't know how long that. I, I thought it was like a four, or five, like a five, five or six issue series. It, was, it just keeps keeps going. There's GI Joe, uh, Real American Hero 292, and so I'm, you know, I'm trying to keep up with the GI Joe. I'm never gonna get caught up, so I'm just you know, jumping into reading it, and. Uh, You know, there's some things I'm I'm not, like, super crazy about. So what I recently discovered, which you may know if you've been reading or or maybe you're finding out like me, is the fact that Snake Eyes is supposedly dead. We have this other guy that's posing as Snake Eyes, basically, so, like, Cobra doesn't realize he's dead. And then there's this woman, what's her name, Dawn, where she has Snake Eyes memories in her mind. So every once in a while she starts getting these memories, and, and it's just, like, overwhelming in that so it's just kind of kind of weird there. And then you know, Doctor Mindbender, they they have like a, they're trying to build like a casino island or something. And he's also you know on, on Cobra Island, so they're, they're trying to you know get the casino stuff happening. He's also it looks like he wants to build a new Serpentor, which you know that wasn't a good idea the first time, but he's still doing it. So there's some, definitely some some interesting things happening here. But I don't know. I I, I think looking back at at some of the early GI Joe comics, especially like you know with the issue twenty one special that came out, I just feel like there's something that was really special back then that I, that was just so exciting. and I don't know if it's just a nostalgia thing because I was a kid when I read those, but I just feel like it's not quite the same. So I don't know at boom, there is a comic called Grim that came out. Unfortunately, I didn't read this, but let's see. Jessica Harrow is dead but her journey has only just begun. Discovered a world of the afterlife where Jessica has been recruited as a reaper tasked with ferrying countless souls to their final destination. But unlike the rest of the reapers, she has no memories of what killed her and put her into this predicament. In order to unravel the mystery of her own demise, she'll have to solve an even bigger one. Where is the actual grim reaper? So this is by Stephanie Phillips, who was just doing Harley Quinn for a while. And fan favorite artist Flaviano from New Mutants. So that sounds cool. I, I wish I would have read that before to, to see how that was. Um, Seven Secrets Seventeen came out. Um, I don't know if I read, I read Sixteen. Uh, this is a oh, this is a penult, penultimate issue. Interesting, and you definitely should be reading that. At DC, there was Batman Urgin, Urban Urgent Batman Urban Legends number fifteen. So I haven't really been reading this this series lately. The Batman Zatanna. This is like part five of six on here. The first part was was kind of interesting. It didn't like completely hold me over, or grab my attention, but you know. So that's still going on. What is uh, interesting here is Batman Plastic Man. This is a story written by Joey Esposito. So Joey Esposito, you know, as you may know, worked at IGN for a while. He worked at other places before. A super cool guy. I, I you know, be happy to call him a friend. And um, I'm super excited that, that he got, he he wrote this, he has this story published. I mean, that's so, so good. And it's Batman and it's Plastic Man. It's like, you know, how, what more could you, could you want? <laughs> so you, you have that story. But then there's a Birds of Prey issue, or issue, story here. This is part two of three, and then an Ace the Bat Hound, Which I feel bad because it's Mark Russell. I I should be I you know I I love Mark Russell stuff, but I wasn't super crazy about the first one. It was just a little weird, and I think I missed the second one or something like that. But so you have that. Then there was uh, Suicide Squad: Get Joker. So this was a black label book, and it was fine. You know, it always seems weird, and and I always sound like a prude when I say this, but you know the the fact that you know you got a comic with swearing i just don't feel like it's it's fully necessary and i I get that this is geared towards older readers because you know realistically it's not like little kids are reading comics little kids can't afford comics these days but i just feel like when all of a sudden you're seeing these characters like you know i i just i don't feel like a character dropping an f-bomb over and over and over is going to make the story more compelling and is it more realistic? Yeah, maybe. You know, if you're in a situation like that, then then yeah, you know, you're gonna. What, but I just I don't think it. Whatever. So basically, you know, they're, they're trying to get Joker and you know Jason Todd's involved in suicide. So there, there's some weird things there. I almost feel like we're getting Jason Todd overload. You know, him being here, him being in Task Force Z. And then there's, is it a rumor? Is it fact? I I find it hard to believe it. It's fact. Uh, Jason Todd is going to be a Green Lantern. Is that true? I feel like, I mean, maybe it'll be cool in there. I feel like it's it's just a gimmick. It's just like, hey, people, you know, this is gonna be controversial. What Jason Todd Green Lantern? So whatever. I mean, and the ending the ending was kind of interesting and. I'm pretty sure this was the the last issue. It definitely leaves you like hmm and in in a good way you know it kind of it's it's a little open ended and it makes you wonder like wait what what just ha- what is that did i th- yeah so there's there's that um geez, Jurassic league number one what what is going on here you know on the one hand, you could say, okay, this is not meant for me you know you could say this is meant for kids it's rated thirteen plus though, so it's not meant for kids. It's meant for teens. I don't know if teens necessarily want to see dinosaur versions of the Justice League. It, it it to me it kind of felt more more like a parody than an actual story. It's not like you know DC zombie you know DC characters or even DC versus you know vampire characters. I feel like those are like legitimate you know trying to tell stories this it's just the characters are dinosaurs and whatever dinosaur times and they're superheroes and I just I, I don't understand I mean to me the the mecca avengers comic as funny as much as that makes me laugh for some reason that made makes more sense than, than this it is just not for me um, I don't know who it's for I I try I tried Reading through it, and it was just—it was just too much. When when Batman comes across like Dinosaur Joker, I was just like, uh, d- uh, yeah, <laughs> not for me. Superman, Son of Kal-el, Issue Eleven. Uh, so you know, as we know, Kal-el or Kal-el uh, John has a boyfriend, you know, Jay. This guy that he likes, but the, like Batman is uh, making the family go into like protective custody because they, they've been threatened. And you know, Superman's not there, so it's it's his job to ensure, you know, they have protocols or whatever. And one of the things he's like, Jay, he, he like knows who he is when when Batman came to the collect Lois and John or whatever. And he's like, no, he's not going with to like the safe house that they had planned. And then basically he's like, he can't be trusted. And John's like, uh yeah he can because I got feelings for him. So I know I totally trust him so he's trying to say john's trying to say he knows more than batman does and you know maybe batman's being overprotective and paranoid because that's what makes batman batman that's how he's he's survived that's how he thrives but it's just it was just uh, the fact that jonathan feels he knows so much and and yeah he's got a super brain so he can you know whatever and then you have jonathan kent having a talk with with bruce with batman and it turns out, spoiler, that Jonathan actually had conversations, like weekly conversations with Alfred, because they needed people to confide in. So it's like, how long was this going on? And I don't know, I, I feel like the same thing, because, you know, Jonathan is like, well, of the two of us, who has more more experience raising a Kryptonian or whatever, or raising a Superman, it's like, okay, whatever, but I don't care. Batman's the world's greatest detective. he's and I'm sure as soon as he found out because he's gonna be protected, especially with with Clark being off planet, he when as soon as Batman gets wind of this guy entering Jonathan's life, of course he's gonna look him up. He's gonna have every so we'll see. I don't know and then this this villain guy man uh, I, and I the thing I don't even remember the guy's name. I, I just can't stand him. But he, they need to resolve that and have other things going on. So I don't know. Um, Naomi, season two, issue three came out. I haven't been reading that, so I, 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 don't, I, may, I should should check those out. Justice League versus Legion Superheroes issue three. I wasn't super crazy at the first issue, so I didn't read the second. Um, and again, I'm trying. I don't want to read something and say, oh, this is bad, this is bad, because you know, it's, again, it's just my opinion. I don't want to bag on something if someone else is liking it and i'm also trying to look at it where i only have x amount of time you know i i feel like i'm so stretched as as it is and i'm not trying to make excuses but it's like i don't want to i don't want to read something if i'm not enjoying it because it's not fun for me and it can't be fun for you to hear about it so maybe you're like a huge legion of superheroes fan you're like oh man i wish Tony would have talked about it i i basically wouldn't have anything to contribute you know i wouldn't have anything good to discuss about it so sorry uh then there's i am batman issue nine i'm i'm again coming around with this i i'm not i i'm still kind of confused the fact that jace fox is a a different batman and again is is bruce okay with this is he all right with i know you have the batman incorporated and all that but he's literally calling himself batman and you know he's using some batman sort of batman tech and okay so he's being a batman in new york city but he doesn't have the training i think it's one thing for having you know the the league of batman or whatever but the fact that he doesn't have training i would think He'd be like, hey, you're gonna be Batman? You need to go to Batman University first. So I don't know. But it's it's interesting because you know, we do have a quote unquote Batman who's not as experienced. So, you know, he he can't do it all. And you know, it it he's the fact that he's actually working with the police department is makes a, a new take and yeah batman worked with jim you know before but this is a little different he's like straight up you know coordinating with them and, and stuff so it just makes it a little different. so it's, it's not just let's put batman in new york and we'll make him black so th- there is more to it that makes makes it more believable if you want to call it, it, it say that so th- that that's all good and then uh, Batgirls issue six. Um, I I love these characters. You know the the series itself has been okay for me. Uh, this villain that we've been been de- they've been dealing with. I feel like it's been going on for so long. This is a six issue, so it's kind of wrapping things up. But uh, I just the Barbara Barbara Stephanie and Cassandra together. I, I love that so much. But then it's like how how is Barbara here and like what she's where she's at or what she's in doing in Nightwing? It's just it doesn't fully mesh. But whatever, that's fine. At Marvel we have Captain America, symbol of truth, issue one. So this is Sam Wilson. We also have the New Falcon. Um, what's his name? <laughs> I, f- I forget his his name. The dude that. We saw recently, uh, his not not mentioned in the synopsis. Uh, Misty Knight's also in here, you know, she has appearance, like in like sort of flashback parts. It was just okay. Um, I really like Sam. I feel like, you know, I have no problem him being Captain America. It's a little weird that we have two Captain America's and they're both Captain America, uh, but this seems, seems to be the thing to do. You know, we got two Spider Mans even though ben riley can't be spider-man but we can have miles and P- and peter so it's it's a little weird when they're both called captain america but whatever yeah so we'll we'll see it's not just like it's not just white cap and black cap you know we had a captain america that can fly and has a shield you know he has his own shield that's interesting i um, looking i see captain britain omnibus came out so this um 1,347 pages. That is so tempting. Yeah. So Chris Claremont wrote a lot of this, There's some others, and uh, John Byrne has some art in here. Alan Davis did the cover. So, hmm. One, I don't know if I'd have enough space in my iPad to to download that, but that would oh, I would love a physical copy of that. Uh, there were some free Comic Book Day issues that came out. I guess we should talk about those that came out last weekend. Uh, the first one was X uh, Avengers and X Avengers slash X Men. So it was Judgment Day. I wasn't super crazy about this. You, you know, it's it's setting stuff up, but it just I I don't know. And I think part of it is like where are the X Men going with with you know with all the Krakoa stuff happening, and it just feels like. It's setting up another Avengers versus X Men, but this time we're going to throw in the Eternals as well. So it's just going to be a lot of like fighting between each other, and I don't know how we feel about that. Uh, Spider Man, Venom. <laughs> spoiler: We see, and I don't think this is a spoiler because I, I knew it was going to happen before. I think they showed it somewhere, but it looks like. Ben Riley and his new whatever you want to call it, his new guys, he's gonna be teaming up with Madeline Pryor? That makes zero sense. And the thing is, I'm I'm trying to remember, it's like, okay, how did Madeline come back? Who who resurrected? Who made the decision? Alex uh Summers, Havoc, he's he was like begging, you know, he's he still he wants her back, and he was. But they're like, no, she's like evil. She t- was trying to sacrifice her kid, you know, Cable. I, I, I mean, so it's like they they brought her back. I don't remember if they're like, okay, Havoc, yeah, you you know, you you did a great job, in you know, how the Hellions comic or whatever. So we'll give you grant you this favor and bring her back, or did was she brought back like unofficially? Like, Shh, don't tell anyone, because whoever brought her back and then now she's up to the shenanigan stuff animate reanimating re- re- animating mailboxes making them like who's who's I don't know and then whatever venom stuff there's someone else is getting a venom costume and uh, I, I don't know I don't know anymore is what's going on is is it me or is it comics? Am I just getting too old, where I, I? This isn't just what I want. Is this what people want? Oh, I just I don't know. I mean, this should, should I cut comics from the podcast because I'm just so angry? Not really angry, but I'm just I'm just not not getting it so much anymore. I don't know. <laughs> um, what else do we have? Moon Knight, Black, White, and Red, or Black, White, and Blood. So I'm I've always been kind of a little skeptical about these comics you know I'm just like do we really need these or whatever but it was Moon Knight so of course I'm going to read it the first story you know Jonathan Hickman and uh Chris Bachalo. this was um it was a little chaotic or f- not really chaotic but just uh the art style was just kind of like all over not really all over but it was a little hard for me to keep track and and I believe this was kind of like a future Moon Knight story. So that that's kind of neat and everything. There was also a Moon Knight story with Spider-Man. And I actually enjoyed that. That was actually funny. And then the third story, I don't remember what the third one was. Oh, the third one, as you're reading it, it's like, wait, what's what's going on? Because, you know, he's trying to save this woman and then there's like this car accident and it's like he's shot it's like Moon Knight gets sh- is like shot but then he's not shot and it's like wait then there's like because you see like a big blam and then but then it's like wait he had a like a wound here and then there's a gunshot and now he doesn't so what happens is the story's going backwards and if you know me well one of my all-time top favorite movies is Memento so so yeah. After I read this, I did go back and go through it, you know, in reverse, which is proper. So, so I I, I like that issue. I wasn't super crazy about the first story, but I, I did like that. Shang Chi. Um, I love the art. Marcus Toe, great stuff. Story, it was okay. You know, it's it's wrapping up a lot of loose ends. This is the last issue. It's the next issue is going to be Shang Chi and the Ten Rings something. So, yeah, they're bringing in ten rings, making it like the movies, whatever. That, that's that's fine. But, yeah, so there's a, a lot of, you know, closing up loose ends and stuff with Shang-Chi's extended, you know, crazy and sometimes evil family or whatever. So that, that was fine. Um, Star Wars, the, the Halkian legacy. So I didn't read the first issue because the, the character on the cover, I'm like, who is that? I don't. Know if I read the sec- second head aura sing. I tried reading this one, but it's like I just didn't know what was going on, and then I didn't try seeing what was going on, so I stopped. Then there was, I, I literally have my, my face in my palm. What if Miles Morales? So, what if Miles Morales became the Hulk? <laughs> oh my goodness. I, I don't even, yeah. Uh, read it if you want. It's um yeah I I'm not, I don't I don't even want to spoil anything, it's it's not worth it. And then there's X Men issue eleven, they, they so I realized as I'm thinking about this I was like okay how did I feel about this X Men out in space they're going to like space casino and all that and I realized I didn't super love this so is do I just have something against like space and comics like superheroes in space I don't know what it what it is that there's often it just doesn't seem to click with me but. You know, I, I love the characters here. So, you know, there's some, some cool stuff happening. Um, but yeah, so that that is it. Um, I believe that that's, I feel like I, that went too fast. Maybe there just wasn't a lot of comics, or maybe I'm just not reading everything, or it, I just don't like comics anymore. I don't know. But that is going to be comics for the week. With The Flash, season eight, episode 14 Funeral for a Friend. A funeral for a Friend. Is that what they called Superman after he died? That was a story arc. Okay, whatever, that's fine. This was a uh, okay. First of all, spoiler, you know, not really. Frost is is has been has died. I don't like characters dying. I I don't see the purpose of this, and. Obviously, the purpose is so you can have a, an episode like this where everyone's in mourning and everyone's trying to adapt or move on or come together and all this stuff. It's like, okay, whatever, that's great. I just think killing off a character—I don't feel like that—that's worth. It's worth it to get that sort of payout because then the character's gone. Will they bring the character back or whatever? You know, it's, if it's comic books, anything's possible. But so we'll see. Okay, so it starts off. Chester's at Jitters. And he sees this drink sign for Killer Frost because, you know, the, the drinks are named after the heroes. So it's like, okay. Allegra is zoning out. Like she's at, at a meeting at, at the CCC, the Central City Citizen, whatever. Iris is walking down the street. So this is the thing. I don't get what's happening. I thought Iris was supposed to be taking it easy. I thought she's not supposed to go anywhere. That's just she's not supposed to touch anyone because if coming into contact with her could cause that item or thing to just disappear. She's just walking down the streets. And then she just stops like at the middle of the sidewalk where someone might bump into her or whatever. And then they could disappear into oblivion because of her time sickness thing. So I, I just don't know what, what's going on. Well, plus the fact that almost like this entire episode, there's like no mention of her her time sickness stuff. So it's like that's a kind of convenient where it's not even an, an issue. Barry's staring. at He's at the, in the med lab staring at the bed where Frost died. Then the alarm goes off. So he zips off. C.C.P.D. arrive at uh, Central City Savings and Loan. There's this dorky dude in this, like, lame power suit comes out. He puts his bag down. He, like, cracks his neck. Well, hello, officers. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I don't like this guy already. Then he goes up to the cop car and, like, flips it. The, the dumb, dumb cops, they kind of back away. But then they just, like, stand there and, like, duck as a as car is coming at them. Okay, the car is, like, basically coming just flipped, like, front end over back. Run off to the side, and said, "You know, they going back. You're going backwards in the trajectory of of the car being flipped. Go off to the sides where maybe you'll get hit with a piece of metal if it like shatters or breaks." They're just sitting there. They just duck. Like, oh no! So Flash zips them out of the way. Then this this robber dude, because it's like, who is this guy? He's like, "Now that was fun." And then Allegra and Cecile teleport in, and Allegra says that she's like, "I'm not in the mood for this." And it's it seems weird that Barry's wearing a mask and costume and all stuff like that, but then Allegra and Cecile aren't. So I don't think it's common knowledge that Allegra has superpowers, you know, because she's working at the the, the paper with Iris or whatever. And Cecile, you know, she works in the court and there could be some conflict of interest or whatever. And why why is Cecile there? It's like she going to say like, "Oh, this guy is feeling very angry, or he's feeling very arrogant." Like, what what is her her empath abilities going to do here? So Barry's like, "Hey, big guy, I'm giving you one chance to stand down," and and then he's like, "Well, I'm giving you one chance to beat it." I don't understand why why doesn't Barry just take him down? You know, the the officers already told him to stand down, and then he flips their car at them. So they he already had his chance to stand down. And now you're just sitting there and you're giving him the opportunity to do something worse, to prepare. Just just take him out. You are the flash. You are faster than anyone. You can have him, you could like have his power suit, whatever it is, like stripped down before he has a chance to take a breath. But then I guess the show would be too easy. I don't know. So Barry, he, then he's like, Chester. Because Chester's just sitting at the computer daydreaming. So I guess Barry's like, what am I supposed to do? He's like, oh, sorry. And he's like, the armor matches a description of a stolen exosuit from Ivo Labs. It amplifies the wearer's biochemistry, his movement, and even his emotions make him stronger. So he tells Flash that he should have beat it when he had a chance, stomps his foot down, and it sends this crack across the pavement. It just goes along, and it hits this building, which sends like a shockwave up the building, shatters all the windows. And Cecile, she's so helpful, and she's like, there's a lot of people in there. Uh, r- really? It's, it's like the middle of the day. It's probably like a work day. It's just like an office building, so there's people in there? Chester immediately reports that the dude compromised two steel girders in the building. So I guess the StarLab satellite can peer through the building and detect damage ba- damage or battle- building damage as <laughs> it happens. He's like the the building's going to collapse. And so Barry's like, "Okay, I'm going to use my lightning to weld the girders back together cuz I'm a construction expert now." and then he tells them to take the dude down. So Allegra, she has to hit him with UV rays or something like that. Chester is like, okay, and Frost, you, you, you know, he starts to give an order, but then he, they all realize that she's not there. So Allegra hesitates for a second when she heard Frost's name, and then she sends her blast out, and she misses. She ends up hitting the cop car. It blows up. Uh, I guess a UV blast will blow up a car. I don't know anything about UV blasts. I thought... It's just you wear sunglasses that are UV protective or whatever. (laughs) And then it's like, Allegra, Cecile says that the blast knocked her out, but she's still breathing. So now it's up to Cecile. She has to try to calm his emotions, and that will depower his suit. But then she starts screaming because of all the grief and panic from the building. It's overwhelming her. And she's like, I can't use my power. And uh, the dude's like, Pathetic, worst heroes ever. And then he hits a button on his arm, and he turns invisible. So I don't really know much about, like, Ivo Labs in, in this world, you know, in this universe or whatever. So it's like, why did they build a suit that's, like, perfect for robbing banks? You know, it's this power suit. It has this camel You know, is it supposed to be some government, you know, or whatever, military applications? Barry returns. Then he asks Chester, he's like, where'd he go? I, I don't know. He just vanished. Okay, so they're at Star Labs. Chester and Cecile are bandaging bandaging up Allegra's ankle, so I guess she twisted her ankle or something like that. Iris is just staring, like in a, in a daze. She gets a text and she tells Barry that the CCC tip line has nothing on Mark Desmond, A.K.A. Blockbuster. So that's who the dude was. But it's like, okay, you got your rinky-dink newspaper thing, and you're expecting to get tips from someone. Uh, Even though the police department, they have no clue what's going on. But, you know, her little tip line is going to provide all the answers that they need. So Barry's like, well, with the suits cloaking, they won't see him until he attacks again. He tells Iris that they just, they can't go out there like this. You know, they should have easily taken him down, but Allegra and Cecile were almost killed. And she's like, well, you know, a normal job, people would, would take time off to grieve. Team Flash isn't a normal job. And she says that if anyone can find the words to inspire them, it's Barry. But it almost seems like she's saying, "Well, you you can fix all our problems, Barry." I would say if anyone has the words, it should be Joe, because Joe's like always, the, you know, the one full of wisdom. So they have a team meeting, and he didn't want to bother Caitlin, so he didn't call her because you know she's probably preparing for a funeral tomorrow. And Joe he says that you know they should take the time to prepare too. You know, Kramer put out an APB. They have, you know, police squads at every bank. But Barry says that, you know, it would be a good time to, you know, to it would be good to take time off. But at any moment, something even worse could happen. So he says, you know, Frost is gone and they have to mourn her. But they also have to find a way to protect the city. And it, right, was he saying this, like Caitlin walks in behind him. So it's like, um, is, is, that the, is that the right thing to say? Is it insensitive? Is it not? But then she's like, oh, I didn't realize we are having a team meeting. And Iris is like, oh, we figured that you could use some, some alone time. And Caitlin's like, no, it, it's fine. She's like, I haven't been sleeping much, so I, I could use a distraction. And Barry's like, are you sure? He's like, I know how hard it is to arrange a funeral. And she's like, well, actually, my mom is, is handling it. So, and he's like, well, you know, if, if they need any help, you know, we'd be happy to pitch in. And then she's like, like I said, my mother has it covered. But feel free to call her if you'd like. She's like, I'm and I'm not going to any damn funeral. And then she walks out. Barry's like, Caitlin. He starts like going after her. But Joe's like, Bear, give her some space. But it's like, wh- what? <laughs> you know, I don't know. It just seems weird that it's like maybe he should talk to her. Try, you know, someone should talk to her. But Joe's like, you know, they're all hurting and but you know it, it, it's, it's, it'll it affect the way they work so they need to heal and Chester's like well how can we do that and Joe's like by honoring Frost he says that you know he was taking watercolor classes at the community center because Frost wanted him to express himself through art so he's like you know they all have to find a way to honor her and it's easy for him to say because he already has something in mind so then it's like Iris so this is gonna be Iris's section she's uh complaining about there being zero hits on a tip line about blockbuster it's like get over your friggin tip line it, it's not working she's sitting with Cecile and Cecile says that you know she thinks that she's figured a way to honor Frost after her trial last year uh you know wrongly accused metas were a cause close to Frosts Heart so she's going to dedicate 25% of her work time to pro bono work in her honor. And Iris is like, like, oh, that's great. She's like, and I'm going to write a special obituary for her in the CCC. And my eyes are rolling. It's like, it almost feels like she's turning this into her thing. It's like, I'm going to put this obituary in my paper to get, you know, I'm going to use her death to get people to click here whatever. But the problem is she's struggling writing it. She's like, anytime she starts saying about how she sacrificed herself to save her sister. And then just, like, you risk exposing yourself as part of team flash. And she's like, yeah. But then again, do Cecile and Allegra, you know, Allegra works for Iris. Do they just not care? So I, I, it's just weird how they're, they're not concerned about their identity. They don't try to hide it in any way. So Iris talks to one of her writers. Cause he wrote obits for like soldiers who died on classified missions, whatever, had no family when he, he was like in a service. He said it even if he wasn't privy to all the info, he'd just find other ways to honor them. So she's like, do you think you could take over Frost's um, obit for tonight's headline? And he's like, oh, yeah. He's like, you know, I admired how she handled those ridiculous charges against her. She's like, I could have it ready in an hour. And she's like, oh, that's great. Then Cecile's like, are you sure you want to hand over something so personal to someone who never even met her? And she's like, well, you know, whatever, you know, maybe it should be best or something. Iris, um, then she shows the obit draft to Caitlin's mom, Carla, at Jitters. And she's like, you know, this is really well written or anything? She's like, she just doesn't like it. She's like, it's factually accurate, but it just feels cold. And I'm like waiting. I'm like, uh, did you just really say that? You know, no pun intended, but she didn't say it. So she says that she came to see You know, she could have read this over email, but she really came to see how Iris was feeling, but Iris doesn't really answer. And she's like, yeah, I feel the same. And, but then she's like, well, why didn't you write it? And, you know, you've known Frost longer than I have. Iris is like, when she started it, she didn't feel she could say everything that she wanted to say, but she realizes that she also doesn't know what to say. You know, she may have known Frost longer, but she didn't get to know her you know, she says that she feels guilty about not getting to know her better because, you know, she just figured they had all the time in in the world. And Carla's, you know, she says she felt the same way. You know, she had some lost time with Caitlin when they were estranged. And, you know, she almost did the same thing with Frost, but then, you know, she just started to get to know her and everything like that. So Iris is like, well, you know, what do we do now? And mom's like, well, you know, Frost wouldn't care about some obituary that sang her praises. You know, she didn't care what people thought. She just wanted to protect them. You know, that was her legacy. So Iris is like okay, so she leaves and everything. and then Carla go talks to Barista to walk him out. He's like, oh, so can I get that like icy drink or whatever? And he's like, oh yeah, it's called the Killer Frost. And she's like, it shouldn't be. And he's kind of confused, and she's like, whatever, that's fine. So Iris, <laughs> Iris is doing her podcast. Oh my gosh, I, I, okay, even though I do this podcast, I don't do it in the most professional you know i don't have i she's one i i make sure i'm pretty close to the mic i'm not like right up against it but you want to make sure you're pretty close because there's a lot of outside noise you also want to make sure the noise you know if you're gonna do this proper you want to make sure the room is soundproof you want to make sure that noise doesn't bounce off the walls as it probably sometimes does for me depending where where i'm recording and stuff like that and then she has um two guests and they're like, so sort of, it's like they're sitting in a waiting room. You know, they're on couches. There's like a coffee table between them. And the mics are t- are like at their knees practically. And so they're all just so far from the mic. So she's apparently talking to different citizens um, who knew Killer Frost, but to them, she was no killer. So, you know, these two people she's talking to, they have like unique interaction with her. You know, other people are, are sharing their stories about how, you know, she saved them and did this and that, whatever. And it seems like everyone's listening at the same time. So it's like, is this a live podcast? But then I wonder, it's like, how are you cycling to different people? You know, if there's like no cut, no editing, whatever, I, you know, I have to do editing, you know, for my sake and for your ear's your, your sake. But it's just weird. And because like the barista dude, you know, he's listening to this. And <laughs> he walks by like the, the drink board sign and he looks at where it says Killer Frost. He wipes, he erases the killer part and he like nods to himself. So I guess the drink is just called Frost now. Or you think maybe we should call it the Duffra? I don't know. And um they, also the drink they had a, a Kid Flash drink. Kid Flash hasn't been on the show like see how many seasons has it been? He doesn't even exist anymore. It's like just recast him already. I don't know. So the next section, Allegra and Chester. So they have to share a segment. Chester's like, "Oh, there must be one perfect thing we could do to honor Frost." And she's like, "How can one thing, honor someone as amazing as Frost. Chester's like, oh, you know, well, you know, Barry did that eternal flame for for Oliver. Maybe maybe we could take her suit, put in a case, and lower the temperature, put some self-sustained blah, 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 this or whatever, and make it snow in there. And he, he like, does this quick sketch on a tablet, and she's like, like a snow globe? And then they start bickering over ideas and stuff like that. And, and then the argument starts turning into sandwiches because she got s- sandwiches with hummus on them, and, you know, he's like, hummus isn't a condiment. And she's like, well, you know, all this stuff like that. So you get mad. Barry comes, zips in. He's like wet. And he's like looking for the Arctic parkas. And they're like, oh, I think it's in a whatever lab or something like that. So then he le- leaves. And then the, the tip line's blowing up. So something is going on at the bar. But it's not Blockbuster. But they're going to wish it was. So it's chill He's drunk. Blah, blah, blah. All this stuff going through stuff. Allegra and a... Uh, I think it was, was it Allegra and Cecile? I think they, they teleport there. They they talk to him, whatever. They end up teleporting him back to the med lab where he passes out. Then they apologize. Oh, no, maybe Chester did go. Yeah, maybe it was Allegra and Chester. Because then they're apologizing to each other because they they started arguing about the dip in hummus again. So she says that, you know, he actually was onto something with the costume idea, but she wants to su- suggest one tweak. So what they end up doing they hang up this jacket that she wore, so it's not her frost costume because she says that when she wore that, she says when she first felt like like being a hero or something like that, and so now that's what they'll remember her and it's it's just like hang like on a hanger or something like that. It's like, okay, I guess that's how you're gonna honor her and they have like this little kind of trophy room. they have like Cisco's goggles and like some other paraphernalia in there, whatever. so then it cuts a berry. he's making a snowman. <laughs> He's making a literal snowman. He takes out this list, and there's a bunch of stuff crossed off. So, like, the the last where he's at, build a snowman atop Mount Everest. So the other thing on the list, uh, go whitewater rafting, which is probably what he just did while he was wet, attend samurai school in Kyoto, swing dance with Judd Nelson. You know, all these things are, are crossed off. And then after the snowman, it's, like, master ice sculpting, and then the other two is like, have my art something. And then the other one was win a something. So the paper was kind of like blowing and bent. So you couldn't read that. So then we see him doing like, he's ice sculpting. He makes this big giant snowflake with like a chainsaw. He crosses off the list. Then he takes one of her paintings to like the, a, the French, a French museum, wherever the, wherever the Mona is at. He puts it in there. And this lady working there, you know, all of a sudden is hanging there. Okay, magnifique! So I guess they're okay with it just suddenly appearing, appearing there. Oh, then the winning thing is is winning the hot dog eating contest. So he's there's a hot dog eating contest at the CCPD. Uh, Barry ends up winning. Kramer calls it the upset of the century because he beat the reigning champ. And the reigning champ, of course, is a woman. She's like, uh, I want a rematch next year, Alan. <laughs> and Barry, he like smiles. But then his his smile kind of fades because, you know, he's he's happy, but then he's like, this doesn't really change anything. At Star Labs, he's like staring at a computer. Chilbillain suddenly and loudly wakes up, and it kind of startles Barry. He's like, how long were you in there? And he's like, I was hoping you could tell me. So he's like majorly hungover. Then he sees Frost's bucket list. So he's like, Barry's like, how, how are you doing? And he's like, oh, you know, I never got to tell her how I felt. And he asks if she ever told him when she signed up for couples tag team wrestling. And, you know, Barry like shakes his head. Mark's like, Well, we crushed it, obviously, but then she gave away our championship belts to some kids at this ramen joint where we were celebrating. And Barry's like, Yeah, it, for her, it wasn't about winning, it was about the experience. And Mark's like, You really knew her well. And he's like, I, I thought so, yeah. You know, he says he also thought finishing the list would be a way to honor her memory, but even with everything crossed off, it just doesn't feel complete. And he's like, you know, as wild and crazy as her lust for adventures was, um, Mark's saying, Chilblaine's saying that, he's like, you know, my my snowflake didn't live for the thrills, you know, it was taking care of the people she loved. And, you know, she was literally born to be Caitlyn's savior, she never lost sight of that. Then Barry's like, I know how to honor Frost's memory, but right now it seems impossible. And Chilblain's like, what's impossible for The Flash? And he seems totally fine now because Barry gave him some aspirin or something like that. It's like, was it super aspirin? Because he is totally not hungover. He's like totally, totally, totally fine. He's completely over it. Next segment, Caitlin cuts back to her saying that she's not going to any damn funeral. So she goes back to her apartment. And then uh, it's they start playing Every, Everybody Dies by Billie Eilish. It's like, okay, you're going to spend some money to license that song, right? okay, she takes a, there's like a picture of the two of them like on a table, she takes it down, starts packing everything up, there's like a Star Labs mug with with her lipstick on there, uh, she puts all everything in this big box, shoves it in a closet and then she sits on, on a couch, she kind of finds, there's like a lump behind a pillow it's frost flannel that she wore and she likes to kind of smells it and then she sits on a couch and in time passes time pa- it's like nighttime then it's the next day she's still just sitting there like hasn't moved hasn't slept or anything someone's knocking on a door and it's Barry in a suit and she's like i'm still not going and he's like i came to apologize and to listen and she says that she supposes there's no point in shutting the door and some someone who could just face through it So he apologized for yesterday morning. It's like, he didn't really do anything. I mean, it seems kind of weird that he would have to apologize. Uh, But she says, it's fine. He was trying. And he says, like, you know, trying and knowing what to say are two different things. And he said everything wrong. But she's like, you know, we've both been through a lot the last couple days. So we can let each other off the hook. But, you know, he doesn't have to worry about her. She's like, I'm good, honest. And then he sees that she has a bottle of melatonin. And he's like, or are you still having trouble sleeping? What's happening? Melatonin well, is not a big deal. And she's like, well, I've had a lot of my mind. So yeah, I've had a couple of rough nights. Thank you for asking. So now she's just getting snappy. And he says that he knows he'll regret. Uh, he, he knows that she'll regret not going to her sister's funeral. And she looks at him. She's like, Unbelievable! Do you hear yourself right now? This isn't even about me. It's about you and your need to be the hero. I'm not one of your missions, okay? Not everything can be fixed with speed healing. I need to grieve Frost in my own way. So will you please leave? He starts walking the door and then he turns around. Look, Caitlin. And she's just like, she just can't believe him. He's like, I'll leave you alone if that's what you really want. But before I go, ask yourself one thing. What would Frost want for you? You knew knew her better than anyone. Would she want you to pull away? Would she want us to let you? And she has this flashback. Frost is like, you will never shut yourself off from me or the rest of the team, all right? And Caitlin's like, she'd tell me to stop being an idiot, to get off my butt and to live my dang life. And she says that Frost was a voice in her head before she even knew she had a name. So she was the one telling her to be brave and strong when she felt weak. And she starts like breaking up. And she says that when Frost died, her singing died too. That, that voice that made her whole, you know, she's like, I can't go to the funeral because if I see her in a casket, then I'll know she's gone for good. And he's like, well, you know, what if that's not the case? You know, the voice is still inside you, so she's not really gone. And he tells her, you know, Joe suggested that I'll find a way to honor Frost. And he says, you know, it was pretty hard finding his answer. Caitlin just has to listen to her. So what is Frost telling her to do? So then it's a funeral. We see Frost in a casket, and it's just it. I didn't didn't like seeing her there. And Barry and Iris go up to her for like two seconds and leave. So you know, there's a member. There's a you know some people there. Iris hugs Cecile with no concern about her time sickness. Barry hugs Kramer. You know, Mark looks at her picture. Then uh, in the church, they're sitting there. It's like I don't even know what was going on. They're just just all just sitting there doing nothing. Then Caitlin shows up. And she just walks up to the front to speak. And she's like, you know, it's a good thing she did her because it didn't look like anyone was going to speak. But she's like, most of you know, I did not want to be here today. Not at first. I was afraid of seeing her here would, would make her death seem more real. She's like, I was scared. You see, Frost was always a fearless snow sister. Like that time she went swimming with sharks and picked a fight with a shark and people are like smiling and everything or when she was at jitters for her slam poetry open mic night she grabbed the mic and read a poem that she scribbled on a napkin five minutes before see frost was always honest and the truth is i thought that if i saw my sister laying here that i would have to say goodbye but then a friend of mine reminded me that that's not true she's talking about barry that she lives on an in all of us, not just me, and her selflessness, her unique way of seeing the world, and her deep love, her family for her family and her friends. So, if we keep those parts of her alive in us, she's not really gone. And I can't think of a better way to honor her memory. So she walks up the casket and she looks back. I'll keep you alive, Frost. I promise. And then Barry, Iris, and others walk up around Caitlin, which seemed kind of weird. It's like someone's up there talking, and then everyone. Uh, it's like okay. Then they're, uh, they're at Joe's, they're talking about, there's like this bleach stain on the, on the curtains because there was a stain there, and so he used bleach to, to try to clean it. He's like, well, I would have done a better job if Frost hadn't taken all my cleaning supplies for her art, and the other day kind of laugh, and others are talking about Frost stories and everything, and Caitlin's like, oh, it feels good to remember Frost like this. So they thank Caitlin for her eulogy and for putting them back together, and she says that you know she didn't make it easy on them, so you know thanks for telling her what she needed to hear, then an alert goes off. It's blockbuster, so they're ready for a rematch. They leave. Iris um, gets ready to start writing a headline, and Caitlin stays. And Joe says he'd love to hear more Frost stories. Caitlin looks at her phone, but then ca- ca- calls someone. Hey, we need to talk. So then we see Chillblaine is waiting outside her apartment. Uh, she's late. She's like, "Oh, I-, I thought I had time to make one more supply run before you know you got here." And then he, like, looks down at her door. She's, like, about to unlock it. He's, like, is that a genome sequencer? And she's, like, yes. And did you steal it? She's, like, I borrowed it. He's, like, he says that she called. He came. He's, like, what do you want? And she's, like, your help. So she opens the door. It's, like, dark in her apartment. And then when they walk in there, there's, like, a whole friggin' lab in there. He's, like, this is not too creepy. He looks around, and he asks her, he's, like, what is it you want? And she holds up a vial. And she said, like, I'm bringing Frost back. So she snips some hair from Frost at the funeral or something like that. She's like, and you're going to help me. This cannot go well. So somehow she's going to clone Frost, bring her back, whatever. It's, I mean, I, she's not going to be a zombie, but is she going to be just like a blank clone? It's not going to be the same. I don't know. But then you see a headline. Flash, blockbuster. So we didn't even see this happen. It was written by that incredibly annoying other writer. I don't even remember her name, and I don't even care what her name was. I don't even want to look it up. Iris tells her it's good and everything like that. You know, she should be proud. So she's, like, really happy to have a byline on the front page. Like, oh, and I get it, but whatever. He's like, you're so freaking annoying. And then, you know, she's about to walk out. She's like, it's it's really good to have you back from Coast City. CCC wasn't the same without you. And Iris is like, Oh, but you know, I, I hear Allegra did great. From who? <laughs> it's like she knows that Allegra's friends with her and she's just like totally insulting her. So Iris just kind of gives her a look, whatever. Then she's like, oh, I'm I'm going to leave now. But then she turns around, but hey, about the Flash's latest takedown, you know, I know he worked with Frost, but there, there have been reports of him working with other people too. And only no one knows who they are. Shouldn't we investigate it? And Iris is like, um, I will think about it. And then the annoying lady walks out and then she's like, oh, she's like, I forgot my phone. So she turns around and Iris is gone. And she's like, Iris? And she grabs her phone and leaves. And then there's some green sparkles by her chair. So I guess Iris is lost in time because that's Deanne's going to be in that. So it's like, yeah, the whole thing, there's no concern about it. And then she disappears. Oh boy. But just a fact, it's like, <laughs> just it's, it's, they're complaining about Allegra's. Oh my gosh. Anyways, that was the episode. So, we'll see. I mean, maybe they're going to bring Frost back. I don't know. It just it won't be the same. I I just it's yeah, it sounds like it could be dangerous. But that was The Flash and it's it's on again next week, so we'll get more. We'll see what, what's going to happen next. With The Man Who Fell to Earth, season 1, episode 3, New Angels of Promise. So it's kind of interesting now, you know, having watched the movie because i i i don't i don't know if i ever saw it you know way back but you know having watched it recently having watched it now and in listening to the audiobook it's it's kind of it's kind of neat seeing how they connected you know obviously they did their homework you know they're, they're connecting the two so there's just little little things that you know you're, you're picking up on and i'm really curious what happened i almost I almost feel like i need to watch the movie again just to see like okay what exactly happened in you know i know what happened at the end but then the big question is like okay what happened from where the movie ended to today you know like when this 40, 40 years because there's like some some kind of intense not necessarily intense things but big things that have happened so let's just get started you know, and the, the way the first episode started, you know, we see Faraday talking to this group of people about his invention thing. So we we kind of know where it's headed, and you know, he's obviously a little more composed and all that. So it starts out in 2017. So it jumps back a little bit. It's in London. There's like some lady presenting something to a group. They've developed an app, you know, to bring. A $10 trillion derivative industry to, to the blockchain by the year 2018, and with their half percent fee charge on collateral deposit in their smart contracts, then this guy asks her to pause. And he's like, if so if I use your app and I take my 100 Bitcoins, I pretend it's Apple shares? And she's like, yeah. He's like, is that a bit like, like in trade? And then um, this one guy's like, if she asks this, like, are, are you planning to launch other assets. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, I explained that in the presentation, you know, another, someone else will like deal with this. So it won't be like her problem or something like that. But then the dude's like, well, it is your problem because it's going to look like brokerage trade, which, you know, which exemptions do you plan to use? And there's like this long pause. And then she finally says that she doesn't have to answer that right now. And, you know, she won't pretend to have it. And the dude's like, well, right now doesn't exist in a vacuum. So why don't you think about what I said and come back in a year? Because, you know, it's, it's a great idea. And then someone comes up to him, and tells him that a Ms. Ms. Flood is waiting for him outside. And he's like, well, why isn't she in here? So he just gets up, you know, excuses himself. He asks this lady, you know, she's just sitting in this chair and she's with this dude and she's like you know why aren't you in there or he asks that and the dude's wyant like what kind of that he's with her so wyant says as i'm sure you're aware origin doesn't require notice for well for termination and so they they he said they received confirmation 45 minutes ago and he's like confirmation of what and she's like that you're a flipping thief And why it says, Thomas Newton's 10th patent was found on your personal computer. By removing it from origin, you violated your non-disclosure agreement. So we need you to sign. And so this guy's name is Hatch. And he like scoffs. He's like, no. He's like, flip you. I was doing a 360 risk audit on dad's annuities. So this lady, Ms. Flood, is his sister. He's like, I'm the risk officer. That's my job. And she asks, which patent whore was he selling to? He's like, I wasn't stealing or selling. He's like, I was trying to understand the flipping thing. And he asks Wyant to go recharge his pod or whatever, because he has to talk to his baby sister. Then he apologizes to her. He's like, Okay, you're not a baby sister, whatever, because you know she's obviously in charge. You know, she's, she's running the company. here. She's like, you know, you're the infant here. You're so incompetent. You know, you disguise a patent on your computer as a flipping recipe for hummus. I'm the vegan. You eat cigarettes wrapped in poop. <laughs> she's just like, yeah, so professional. Okay, but yeah, it's her brother, whatever. So she thinks that her brother is s- stealing this patent trying to sell it. Hatch is like, he's like, Wh- whatever, you know, contracts dad inherited when he took over Origin. Have left them with massive exposure, and he asks, "He's like, do you know? Did you know that the patent was classified as top secret by the U.S. Department of Energy?" He's like, "That's flipping terrifying." He's like, "You didn't, and neither did I, because Dad didn't see fit to tell us anything before he jumped off a cliff." And she snaps back at him, "Why would Dad tell you anything? You had nothing but contempt for him growing up, and drowning yourself in Kahlua." And she's like, "Kahlua in the twenty-first century? What?" <laughs> it's like, "What's wrong with Kahlua?" She says that he's never been able to get past the fact that dad left controlling interests in company to her. And he's like, yeah, so dad can control you from the grave. And she says that he was a visionary and hatch is like, he wasn't a visionary. She's like, no, no, no. She's like, I'm not going to let you make this about your obsession with that freak. And hatch says, Nobody knows what Thomas Newton's 10th patent was. Nobody knows what it does. He's like, why was it written in base 60? He's like, that's not even our number system. And she says that it's a word salad. And that's why it's been sitting on a shelf for 45 years. And he asked, why was it classified the second he disappeared? And she's like, I'm not engaging in this. You're a thief. And who flipping cares? She's like, sign. So sign that he's being terminated. And he's like, you should care because without Newton's patents, origin is nothing. You know, his tech was magic. It was like it was from another planet. And she scoffs at this. He asks if this can just be about him and her. And she says that she's been killing herself, holding the company together, that, you know, the only way they make money is with those patents. And he tried to sell one to their competition. So it doesn't matter if it's old or that it's useless. He did this to flip her because he's jealous. Because he hates that dad hated him. And he's just like flabbergasted. He's like, Edie. He's like, Dad had a million secrets that you never wanted to look into. This one is dangerous enough to be squashed by the US government. And then she's, you know, doesn't really address this. She's just like, This conversation's over. Sign the papers. And he asks, he's like, Can I say, please don't fire me? He's like, Origin is all I have. And it's O R I capital G-E-N, like one word. He's like, this is all that I have. It's all that I am. he's like, I love it despite that. He's like, I can't threaten or say, think about the consequences. So please just don't fire your brother. And she just quietly is like, sign. She's like, I'm erasing you. And he's like shocked. So then he just gets on. He's like, signs the form. He's like, he would have been happy about this. And she agrees. Like, yeah, you're, you're right. So he starts walking away. Then he turns around. He's like, Edie, whatever's in that patent, He's like, there's no way it doesn't come back to burn you. So then it cuts to now. Josiah and Justin are looking at Faraday. He's you know laying on the ground after he did something to Josiah to cure him, it seems like. He's like, can we go to Seattle now? They lift him up, and Josiah mentions how he hardly weighs a thing. Because this was like mentioned in a book, in a movie. Well, actually, it's more, I don't know. So unless it was mentioned in a movie, I just missed it. There was a scene where David Bowie gets in the elevator, and because of the, the shift in the moment, whatever, so he, like, collapses. There is this lady in the elevator, and, you know, because he starts getting like bloody nose like that. So she ends up, like, carrying him to his room. And I, I didn't really think about it. I was like, this seems, I was like, wow, this lady's actually carrying him. Like, that's, that's pretty impressive. But it's because he's so light. He's kind of like a bird or something like that. So, they, Josiah mentions how Faraday doesn't really weigh anything. He asks for water and then, sort of like in a bathroom, and he starts drinking from the faucet and he asks for more. So, he turns on the tub and then he like starts drinking from there. Then he burps and squelches. His throat kind of expands like a bullfrog and it's like black liquid starts kind of streaming out of his like his mouth, nose, and eyes. And he, it starts, he, you know, he's laying on a floor and there's a big puddle. And then, like, the black liquid starts like dripping up into the air it starts like just floating up in little like driblets whatever and then it goes up hits the ceiling fan and then it goes out to like the window which has like one of those little metal like fans in a window and it's just like all goes outside and then he suddenly sits up he's like we can go to origin now and joe is like god bless you he's like you know what because he cured him he did something so then Justin, later, she's just sitting outside. She's trying to process everything. Josiah is like looking himself in the mirror, and he's like, I can shave now because he can actually, you know, bend his fingers and hold things, whatever. Josiah, finally, he walks out. He's like clean shaven. His, he cut his hair. He's dressed and everything, and she steps back. She's like, I'm not ready for this, and he's like, it's okay. So he goes up to her, and she hugs him, and he's like, why are you crying? And she's like, there's a price for everything, and then Josiah's like, well, maybe we already paid it. He's like, I know how impossible it all seems, but now there's this man, and she's like, he's not just a man. Josiah's like, I know. He's like, but he needs you. He needs you to take him. She's like, I'm not leaving you and Molly now. Josiah says, now is exactly the time to leave. He, he she's like, I don't even know if it's real. Josiah's like, it feels real, real as anything. He's like, even if it goes away, everything is different now. He says that he never should have uh, let it happen. She thinks, you know, she thinks that she owes him. And she's like, I do. He's like, no. He says that he let her think that. And she thinks that her penance for what has happened is for her to squash like her her light because it's been blinding sometimes. He's like, no one would ever want her to close the doors on her mind. He's like, this man came to her for help. How can she possibly deny herself this next step? And then he's like, he doesn't want her there a minute longer. He's like, Molly will be fine. And he like backs up and he kind of does his little dance. He's like, look at me. So Faraday's looking at Josiah's like, records, whatever. Josiah puts one on. He says that he wants to give him a gift. So his mother made him a presentable man. And he's, like lays out this suit and a hat. He's like, you'll be traveling across the country with my daughter. And he like, looks at his hair, at, at Faraday's hair. He's like, we're going to have to tighten it up. So then Justin tells Molly that she'll only be gone a few days. And Molly's like, mom, get out of the house. You drive everyone crazy. And Molly and Josiah go on and on whatever. Then Faraday comes out all clean cut. He's in the suit. And Molly's like, he looks regular. And Justin, she's clearly impressed by you know, the way he looks now. So they're driving. Faraday is like watching things on the iPad. So he's probably like learning more about the culture and everything like that. She finally asks, like, what did he do to her dad? And he's like, I realigned him. And she's like, how long will he be like that? The rest of his life. So she's kind of speechless. And then she's like, thank you. And he's like, a temporary solution is not a solution, boo. And she's like, boo? She's like, no, 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 no. She's like, none of that. And she like takes the, the iPad away. <laughs> and she says that he says things without understanding the context. And he said that seems to be the strategy here. He grabs the iPad back. The, the misperception regarding communication on this planet is illusion that it has taken place. She grabs the iPad again and says that he has to tell her to plan. So Faraday says that in the vaults of origin is Thomas Newton's 10th design, which is what we heard about earlier, but he failed to build it. They have to build it, him and, and Justin. Her dissertation theorized the possibility of fusing atomic nuclei by combining magnetic field containment with plasma. She cuts him off saying there's no way to reach that kind of temperature that you know that you would need. And it's like, even if you could, there's – still way too many questions about breeding enough, you know, tri- tritium or something like that. He tells her he's like, pull over, you know, drive over there. So over to the side of the road, there's like this old abandoned, like drill pump thing. So he goes, you know, they go out there. He like opens the, the hatch, he starts kind of retching, whatever, but then he's holding this like floating cube and it kind of changes shape. And it's just like kind of twirling, like over his hand, over the palm of his hand. He inserts it like in a machine engine, the pump starts up and Justin's like in shock. And he's like, you know, there's no radioactivity. And she looks at the shining device. She's like, this is cold fusion? And he's like, no, quantum. Ta-da. So she's like, how long will this pump jack run for? He's like, decades. How'd you scale it? This is generations ahead of centuries beyond human understanding. So she's like, it's an energy cell, a prototype. And she's like, you built it? He's like, no. Thomas Newton was the architect. I assembled a component. And she's like, "This it's totally clean, no radiation, no decay. But this prototype powered my journey here. It is nearly drained. So he takes it out of the pump. The 10th design is for a regenerating cell, inexhaustible, limitless. It will restore Anthea's core temperature. So he puts the floating spinning thing in her palm. And she's like in complete awe, just like looking at it. She's like, it's barely warm. And Faraday is like, our sea boiled to achieve fusion we need. And she's like, water. You came here for water. And then Faraday's like, Earth is on the same trajectory, facing the same collapse. You know this. It is in your work. So then looking at the device, she's like, I never could have imagined this. And he's like, you did imagine it. She's like, you came closer than anyone in human history. And when she couldn't continue, she still chose to work as a caretaker of the planet. So she starts walking away, and she's like, I need a minute. Because she was caretaking, you know, cleaning up the toxic waste stuff or whatever. In Alaska, Agent Clay's, he was looking around Papel's place. He finds, like, an old film projector. He starts looking around, and conveniently, he manages to find a hidden reel of film, like, in a mini-fridge door, like, between the the panel or whatever. So the film is a papel from September fourteenth, nineteen eighty four. It's like the Icarus program, he, and he's like talking. The subject refuses to reveal the algorithm for the tenth design. And a shot shows like an operating room of sorts. He's like strapped to this chair, ongoing dehydration protocol, largely ineffective. And then you hear Newton's like, he's like, "You're bleeding! Don't you see it? Your blood, your children's blood! You're so careless!" And so you know he's strapped to the table. Man, man asks, he's like, "Will someone get?" Mr. Newton, some gin because he started drinking a lot of gin and became like an alcoholic. And then he like starts singing. Then he's like, no, no x-rays. No, 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 not my eyes. And they kind of did this in the movie. They didn't do this whole scene, but you know, they did the x-ray part and so they, like, forces his eye open. I don't know, why would you shoot anyone in the eye with x-rays? That just seems crazy. So they force, force his eye open, and he's, like, screaming, I can't see, I can't see. He's like, please help me, Mary Lou. So Mary Lou was the lady that he kind of, um, he she was, like, his housekeeper in, in the book. She kind of had a crush on him, or not really crush, but she kind of liked him. But she introduced him to drinking. He's like, I just want to go home, Mary Lou, Mary Lou. And then they start like slicing his forehead, like by his scalp, and they like peel off his skin because he is wearing like a skin suit, and he's like screaming. Clay's like watching horror. Then he like grabs all the booze in the place, starts pouring it around the room, lights the place on, on fire, and Papel's body lights it on fire. Walks out out of their, the the cabin with the projector. So at a budget motel, Justin's listening to a message from Molly and Josiah, so they seem to be doing fine and you know eating junk food or whatever, having breakfast for dinner. Faraday's outside floating in a swimming pool, but he's like wearing a suit. It's like, come on, dude. (laughs) So she goes out and he's like, the stars look very different from here. And he's like, is it time to leave? And she's like, no, no, we have something to discuss. And then she's like, what was it like on Anthea before? He's like, when I was a pupa, the sea was already disappearing. The fauna was toxic. Herd animals were dying. And she's like, how many of you are left? And he says, only a few thousand there are still some at the pupil stage. And she's like, I'm so sorry. She's like, how long do we have here? The domino has already tipped. As a species, you have chosen to ignore the symptoms. So she's like, how long? By 2030, temperatures will have risen above your extinction's threshold. From there, the remaining dominoes will fall in a matter of decades. So she's like, I I, I don't know if if you're right about why I was, I was working like I was working, but the, the work was like breathing. It felt, and he's like, inevitable. But it would have been destructive to others. And he's like, if you destroyed nothing, you would have accomplished nothing. So she says by what she accomplished wasn't worth what was lost. By what scale? And she says it's not so simple to answer that question now that she understood that she's not, not alone in, in the universe. So he asks if she's a scientist or if she's something else now. And she says, you know, she's like, take what you need back with you, but you leave the blueprint here. She's like, give us the same chance to fix ourselves that you have. That's the deal. If I agree, will you agree to be a scientist again? And she's like, yes, yeah, yeah. I will agree to be a scientist again. So he says that when he's gone, she can keep the design. And she asks how he plans on getting back, and he's like, he says, Newton will inform him when it's time. So she asks, how are they supposed to get inside origin? And he says, Newton instructed him to find the wizard of risk. And she's like, is that a game? He's like, no, it's a person. So then in Seattle, we see Hatch. He's like kind of chasing after this woman as she like storms out of like a donut shop. And he's like, I just need a little more time. And she says that she needed someone who could get her into book club. It's like book club, what? and he said he said that he said he'd try that he'd make a call and she's like but book club's this flipping week and he's like but your app isn't ready it violates like a million privacy laws and she's like so what i'm supposed to wait until next year she's like flip me she's like well flip you and he's like you can wait until next year before i pay you and he's like you know so she's in her car and everything and he's like She's ready to drive away. He's like, "Your app's a piece of poop, anyways." She's like, "I wouldn't wipe my butt with it." You know, she's screeching off, and he's like, keeps going. So he's like yelling. Then he gets in his car, and he looks on his side. He has some sort of wound on his side. I'm like, "What the heck?" And then Justin like pounds on a window to car. She's like, "Hatch flood," and he like like kind of scares him. And Faraday's like by her side, and then she's like, "Are you okay?" He's like, "I have the shingles." He's like, "Who are you?" So she introduces you know them, and she says, that "His office said he'd probably be here." So he's like, "Well, what do you want?" and she says well you're an ip attorney and faraday faraday holds up the ipad with an ad for him. he's like you are the wizard so it's like the wizard of risk whatever and stuff like that and he's like where is your hat he's like put that away and hatch is like "Is like i was you know blackout drunk faraday's like but you put it on the internet you chose a font and, and he's like He's he's like, do you have you do you have a sex tape? He's like, that's my sex tape or something like that because you know he was just embarrassed. He put it, I don't know. So he's like, what do you want? And Faraday says that she was inst- or Faraday says she was instructed to harness his rage against Origin, or, or he was instructed whatever. Hatch says like he's like that isn't funny. And Justin holds up the napkin that Faraday wrote the formulas on at the diner, and he like takes it in amazement. And she starts saying it's an algorithm, and he cuts her off. He's like, it's like yeah, I know what it is. And he's like, you know, you remember the time you see base 60? He's like, how'd you get this? And she's like, he wrote that. And he's like, BS. He's like, how did, you know, I don't want to know. And Faraday says, Thomas Jerome Newton sent him to find him. And then Hatch is like, Thomas Newton sent you to me? I just said that. And Justin asks him, he's like, what else did Newton say? Faraday says, he said you had a good nose, but the only one you could not sniff out was you. And Hatch is like, keep the flip away from me. And Faraday gets in front of the car, but he, and he says, "You have to come with us." And Hatch yells again, and then Justin just tells him, "He's like, we're at the Holiday Inn on Aurora." He's like, "If you change your mind," and he just thinks for a second and leaves. So then we see Clay; he's meeting with that government lady, Drew, and you know, he's like in the woods on the side of, side of the road. Clay um, runs through the history of Thomas Newton, spaceman. He comes here in 1975, files patents, makes money for a company called World Enterprises. Then he leaves the tech industry for a decade. So they grab him, they annex the company, they box it up, ship it to the UK to avoid congressional oversight. Then they fold it into a British industrial supplier called Origin, run by Edward Flood. Meanwhile, Newton just disappears. And she's like, what do you mean, disappears? And Clay's like, during the interrogation, he revealed a 10th patent that he never built. He wouldn't give it all, all the way up. Cryptography couldn't crack it, and it was written in base 60. And she's like, Stop. She's like, What's that? And so he says, It's a form of arithmetic that was last used by the Mesopotamians 3,600 years ago bef- or years before Christ. So it's symbols, and the most recurrent in Newton's patents is the sun motive, which leads him to believe it's designed for some kind of energy source. So she's like, okay, now there's another visitor and the two of them, and he's like, we don't know what they're doing, okay? He's like, all we know is that there's a blueprint for a power source from an outer from outer flipping space sitting in an origin vault and Newton still in the wind. Drew says that she knows what she has to ask him here, and he says that he knows that his uh, psych eval mentions the white whale bit that you know he gets obsessed with like chasing after things. And so, you know, he was gonna say hyper focus or something like that, but it doesn't mean that he's off the mark. And she's like, it could be dangerous for him, because she knows what this is activating for him, that he'll you know, he'll never find the first eight years of his life because there's nothing there. So I don't know what happened to his life, like whatever. So this must be why he's kind of jerky sometimes. So if she didn't stop him, then you know, he would have searched forever and died empty handed. So she says that, you know, it could be a recipe for dip. And he's like, This is not for dip. He's like, everyone on the original team is dead. And she says, of, of course, it's been 45 years. And he says that after talking to Papel, there's no way he's going to believe that they all died in their sleep. So she says that she can't compute spacemen, but she can compute everyone dead because that's what they do when there's something worth killing for it. Clay says that he wants to run this. He wants the resources and a clearance. He's like, he will find him and bring him in. So she's like, find him, but let him run a little bit. So she says that the 10th design is a weapon. Maybe it can be their weapon. So she is like, what do you need? He's like half a million for surveillance and, and a person to help him with Intel. So he suggests her, her analyst who first detected the signal in New Mexico because her background is uh, very interesting. And she kind of glares at him. He's like, oh, I'll be nice hatch goes into his attic and he looks at this old file box there's this letter to thomas newton but it's like a classification letter like making it top secret or whatever he looks at like pictures of the symbol he compares them to the napkin that faraday wrote on so i guess he took it with him and then we see him knocking on the motel door justin answers faraday's like pacing in the background watching the ipad and hatch is like i know of one other person who understood base 60 let alone calculated in it he's like and i have nightmarish crazy making idea about where he was from so i need to know where he's from and i need to know what he's doing here and please god don't lie to me so she looks at faraday and she tells hatch to come on in so then it, it does one of those like fake commercial break things whatever and then justin's like waking hatch up so he passed out and faraday's like are you afraid of me and he nods his head and he's like yeah And Faraday shows him that he's watching Mars Needs Women on the iPad. And Justin says that he probably just has questions. And he's like, he's from, and Faraday's like, Anthea. And he's like, and he brought Cold Fusion. Justin corrects him, Quantum. Hatch asks, that's the 10th design? So she asks if Origin knows what they have. And he's like, no. He's like, nobody could figure it out. And he whispers. He's like, do you know what this is? What this means? Faraday's like, why are you whispering? Because I'm flipping terrified. So Hatch says that he does risk assessment. So he's talking about liberating planet Earth from oil forever. He's like, in the first 30 days. So I, I like this part, just the way how he just comes up with all this. So he's like, in the first 30 days, exchanges will collapse. So this if, if there's no oil. He's like, nobody has any security from anything. Policing is gone. People are jumping off buildings. This makes 1929 look like flipping Christmas. So it's an addicted planet going cold turkey. Lots of riots. Power grids go obsolete. Massive devaluation of land. He's like, I could buy a flipping 747 for two Pokemon cards. Millions of people lose their jobs in a gas and oil sector alone. Government will slash funding to everything. Everybody withdraws their troops from everywhere because there's nothing left to fight for until they decide to trade decide to train their weapons on their own citizen for begging for food and water and medicines and humanitarian aid. And hey, if you're in the cardboard coffin business, it'll be a flipping bonanza. And he's like Iraq, Bolivia, Norway, they're done. China, Germany, and France, they're better. Nobody gives a poop about the Saudis anymore, so we just redrawed a map of Central Asia. Africa, the entire continent of Africa, they've got the minerals, the infrastructure. I, I can't. I've, I've got to go. And Justin, he just like leaves the room. Justin goes after him, and he's like, fusion declares war on everything, and everything is going to declare war on us. And she's like, if we don't, then we're done by 2030. And he's like, where'd you get that? He's like, I can't hedge chaos. Faraday calmly says, chaos is why humans exist. Meteors and dinosaurs, shifting land masses, eclipses, plague, war. You rise and you adapt. You regrow your brains and you adapt. This is the next step, Mr. Flood. When we take it, nothing will ever be the same. So then at Langley, Clay walks in this room. There's this like lady waiting And he's just, he like kind of walks past her. He's like, I'm Spencer Clay, Miss Dominguez. And he's like, come in. So he goes into his office. And so her name is Lisa, her first name. So she's like, oh, okay, I'm sorry. I thought we were meeting half an hour ago. Did I get the time wrong? And Clay's like, no, no, you didn't. And then she's like, pleased to meet you, sir. And he's like, you're doing well at SIGINT, huh? And I said, whatever that is. And she's like, yes, thank you. And then he asks if she knows why he wanted to meet her. So she goes to sit down from across him. He's like, I did not invite you to sit. So it's like, what a jerk. So he's just making her stand while he's sitting at, at, at his desk. So then he's like, now I'm just wondering about your accent. You didn't do the work to get rid of it. It's either arrogant or dumb. Let's hope it's the former. Five days ago, you intercepted a signal out of New Mexico coming from inside a tornado. Did you discuss that with anyone? She's like, of course not. Okay, Findings? She says that the tornado was spinning counterclockwise, only about around 5% of do that, and none have ever been reported in New Mexico. And he's like, and what does that tell you? She says the frequency of that signal correlates to nothing on earth. Then he looks at her her file. Lisa Elizabeth Dominguez, ROTC at 18, tours, running signals in Islamabad. Now he, he finally tells her to sit. And he's like, Oh, this is interesting. Your parents immigrated from Portugal legally. Your uncle and his family did not. And she's like, Correct. So you turned them over to ICE. And she's like, My uncle thought he could game the system while my parents did the right thing and earned their way into this country. He says that she could have just let her uncle, you know, left her uncle alone, but what she does was punitive. And she says one could say the same about him sending that Ukrainian family to a detention center and Abilene and their little boy died in a cage. She's like, I think he was nine. And he doesn't even like respond to that. So he says that he's running an op, close hold, funded, never going to give her the whole picture. But if she figures it out herself, he'll know he made the right choice. He's like, you do what I tell you, when I tell you and nothing else. And he puts a top secret file in front of her, tells her to read it and find him any living connection to the subject. So help him find Thomas Jerome Newton and she can just write her own ticket. And she's like, thank you, sir. I look forward to the opportunity. So she gets up. He's like, oh, and hey, Lise, now that we're going to be working together, watch your flipping mouth. So she just looks at him. She's like, yanks open the door. just like, walks out. He kind of smirks <laughs> because he's just a big a-hole. Breakfast at the diner. Hatch says that he has to ask. And he, um, he tells Faraday that his face is amazing. Is it a real face? Did he make it? Justin says it's just a skin suit. He's like, oh, a skin suit, a skin suit. Faraday says he doesn't understand. You know, He was told origin is in Seattle. Hatch says, what's in Seattle is a phone and an office. Origin proper is in London. So Faraday says, we're going to go to England? And Justin's like, no, no, we're not. He's like, I have fusion and I have a family. He's like, you can collect them when we are at origin. I can't just leave my daughter. Your daughter has one possible habitable future. So do mine. I have shown you the prototype. Are you going to deny what you have seen? Hatch is like, it won't be simple. He's like, Edie doesn't trust me. She thinks I tried to sell Newton's design. And Justin's like, did you? He's like, no, and don't ask me that again. So Faraday asks, how do they get his sister to trust him? And Hatch kind of laughs. He says to tell him about the prototype. And so it's nearly done. Hatch asks if he can demonstrate it. And Justin's like, where? Hatch says that he's like book club. She's like the tech startup thing. And he asks, um, "Have you been?" And she's like, "A recruiter came to me at UNM." Um, you know, so she's like, "No one would remember that." Then Faraday's like, "We are going to book club." And Hatch is like, "Well, it starts in thirty-six hours." Edie always has a seat, but we'd have to get Faraday a passport. And just like you need fingerprints, he doesn't have any. Faraday's like, "No X-rays. We require alternative transportation." And Hatch is well. We could book a private plane, you know, a friend of mine has a timeshare that we could like head to, and then we could change flight plans and blame it on engine trouble. And then, you know, they could land off the grid uh, at the island of Mull. Um, they don't have customs there. Then they could just rent a car to London and they'd probably make it. So to get on a plane, Hatch says it. he's like, yeah, it's probably cost me every last dime. So shortly after takeoff, Faraday's head starts kind of like bubbling, I guess from the air pressure or something like that. And Justin like she's trying to contain his head or whatever. And he says that he wasn't wearing his skin suit when he traveled there. So he doesn't know what's going on. And like the, the one like stewardess flight attendant is like trying to, you have to be seated. And he's like, don't worry about it, whatever. So in London, he said he had to call in the last of his favors to get in. So they enters like this big food reception before the stage show, or whatever Faraday. He's like, I want to present my science now. And has is like, it doesn't work that way. You have to wait until you're on stage. Then he's in awe over some of the food. He's like, What is this? And it's like a hard boiled egg or something like that. It's like, really, don't know what that is. So then uh, these two kind of jerky guys come up to hatch and you know, like I guess one of the guys is who he called to get in. So they're kind of they're then they're surprised that he's trying to scam his way on stage. So then one's like, Well, yeah, origin's a joke, and it's like Edie doesn't even realize that. He's like, There's been no innovation since 1978. So then um, Edie finally walks in. She sees Hatch, and she, like, walks out. So she's being, like, an ice queen whatever. He goes after her, and he says that he's uh, with a special guy who's presenting. He says that she really should meet him, and she starts getting testy. So she says what he really should do is admit what he did years ago. And he's like, "Just, just let that go. And he's like, this guy could be really important for you, something that doesn't have dad's fingerprints all over it. And she's like, okay, Hatch. Admit to what, what you did and we'll walk in there together right now. And he says nothing. So she's like, fine. She's like, you can die a public death. This way th- we don't have to run into each other anymore. So there's this other guy presenting up on stage and, and uh Hatch and Justin are kind of talking and, and Faraday's like sitting behind him, like watching. And then you know there, there's like digital screens with like calculations, stuff like that. Faraday just walk walks up there erases one of the dude's calculation on a screenboard. Somehow he can, I guess it's touch screen or something like that. And he starts like writing some stuff on there. And then, uh, Justin and hatch see this. So Justin goes up there and she's like, what are you doing? He's like, he didn't calculate the structure or whatever correctly. Edie like sees all this and she like walks, starts walking out. This lady asked Freddy, She's like, are you a presenter tonight? I am. So she's like, and what makes you think that you can interrupt this presentation? I have come with a prototype for a quantum fusion process. So Edie hears this like right before she leaves and she stops the guy like sitting next to Edie kind of of scoffs at this is that he's one of like the jerky guys, everyone, all the chatter that's just like stops silent in there. Then Justin like looks at him. She's like, do it. So he pulls the device out of his pocket. The lights in there kind of flicker a bit and then it gets sort of bright from off to the side. Everyone starts like staring out outside in awe the, all the lights from outside, from the city, they start turning on, and they're like brighter than they were before. Edie is just like looking at Hatch, and then Faraday is like holding the, the twirling thing. Then Justin smiles, and Faraday like looks at—he's like trying to smile as well, cause, you know—he's having trouble like doing that. And that's where it ends. So we're getting closer to, uh, you know, he's putting it out there. Um, but what is uh, Clay gonna do when he gets wind of this? and you know it, he's just like a major jerk so i i don't see it going very well but but i'm i'm enjoying the show it's a it's interesting you know again r- having watched the movie and listening to the book it's it's interesting to to see how it all fits together okay and now made for love so we have two more episodes and again i don't i'm not trying to complain but i am complaining this is a half hour show but they insist on releasing two episodes at once so are they trying to say it's like oh man we wish this was an hour-long show instead i would much just give me the half hour show boom 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 i like this uh, whatever so t- episode 205 you're not the first so Herbert tells Diane that he's like, oh, we, we packed a lifetime of travel in two days because you know they did all the stuff in, in the hub in different environments or whatever. But he says that he thinks he's, he's had his fill. When Hazel comes back, he's going to tell her everything. And then he hears a faint like, hello? Virtual Hazel is calling him from the TV. So the TV kind of flickers on. I don't know how this works. I don't understand it. She's just a memory in a computer, but somehow... They're able to hack into other, I, it, whatever. It's TV, it's science fiction, right? So she's like, Dad, Dad, it's me. Byron trap me. I need your help. This is where to show I'm not really sure what's going where <laughs> Where is this going? I don't know. So Hazel is thinking on a plane about her like spy device thing. She seems to be struggling with betraying Byron. And she tells Byron that, you know, she's not sure if she's ready to go home yet. You know, it was fun, you know, being out in public. And he agrees. He's like, yeah, we should do this more often. She's like, we should do it now. And kind of pauses. Let's go somewhere else right now. And he's like, okay. And she's like, I want to go to Montana. She's like, I want to see where you grew up. And he kind of laughs. He's like, to Dutton? And she's like, you know, when I came to the hub the first time, you knew everything about me. He's like, I don't know anything about you. And she's like, I might feel differently if I knew about you when we return. So let's go now. You know, No more secrets, right? And he agrees. Okay, I'll, I'll go tell the pilot. So they drive to his house and she's like who's going to be there? He's like uh, probably my dad, I think. You know, I haven't seen him since I was 16. And she's like you haven't had any contact with him since? And he says that he's like I don't really know what you expect in meeting my dad. You know, I just do want to warn you he's going to disappoint you because he will make sure of that. And she's like well, you know, people can change. So they pull up. Uh, Byron says he's looking there's like some tractors and some equipment and he's like dad wouldn't have fancy equipment she's like someone else must be living here there's a a, a couple uh, but she's you know, she says the mailbox says benson on there so walking up the porch he comments "She's like oh it looks exactly the same and she tells him to knock and he's like and she's like maybe a little louder so he knocks louder and then the door opens and hazel answers the door it's like what she's like the side window was open so she went through the window and opened the door so she's like come in. so herbert's talking to vr hazel i don't know what else to call her he's like i could have told you coming back to the hub was a trap and you know she should have just talked to him instead of um roofing him every day and he says that she's like you're right but she's kind of talking mechanically and he's like are you okay And she says, well, I guess, you know, your husband's sticking your mind in a computer and taking your body to Washington, D.C. puts things in perspective, huh? And he's like, well, you seem a little off. And, and, you know, he doesn't seem even concerned about what what she's trying to say. But she's like, well, I'm not okay. I'm trapped in a computer. And he just kind of mutters something, whatever. And he thinks he's he's like, well, if you're in there, who's calling in and checking on me? And she's like, well, whoever he put in her body, probably some hub worker. So she says she has a plan. It might sound a little brutal at first, but it's the only way to get her out of, out of there. She needs a body. He's like, you want me to kill someone? And she's like, no. She's like, I just need a human body so I can use temporarily until I can get my real body back. And he's like, well, what happens to the person? And she's like, nothing. They just pause. You know, it's like, how would she know that for certain? And he asks, well, you know, what does he have to do Exactly. Hazel says that you know she can't imagine Byron living there, you know, at the place there's like deer head on the wall, a bunch of like ceramic chickens on a table. Then she hears like a metallic click and a male voice is like, Turn around. So there's this like youngish dude, and he's like, Alice. And she's like, Hazel, um, who are you? He's like, Greg Benson. He's like, Why the flip are you in my house? Then Byron comes in from behind. He's like, Aaron, put the gun down. He's like, That's my wife. Put the gun down, Aaron. So Hazel's confused because he said his name was Greg Benson. And Byron's like, that's my brother. But apparently he's been using my name. And Aaron's like, well, you weren't using it. So Byron Gogol obviously isn't his real name. So Byron asks, he's like, where's Where's dad? He's like, outside. You want to see him? So you know what that means. They go out there. There's a, like a small wooden cross in the ground. Byron's like, when did this happen? And Aaron's like, you honestly don't know? Aaron's like, he drank himself to death. So Byron asks, he's like, why didn't you ever reach out? And Aaron's like, really? You flipping with me right now? You don't remember me coming to you when dad was about to lose the farm? Instead of talking to me like a human being, you sent some jerk to, to pay me off. It worked out well because parole Aaron was about to go off to jail. And he tells Hazel, like, oh, not to worry. It was just a misunderstanding. So being Greg Benson suits him, Byron's like, oh, I'm sorry to hear you know, what, what happened. And he's like, okay, we'll be on our way. He starts walking off and Hazel's like surprised and she goes after him and she's like, are you okay? And he's like, Aaron isn't a good person. He, he doesn't, you, you know, I don't know what he's up to, and I don't want to know. He can't be trusted. And she's like, but you haven't seen each other since you were kids. And he's like, it was a mistake coming here. And she says that he's his only family that he has left. He's like, does he want to try? And she's like, please? And Aaron's like, you know, he's like, oh, you know, we, we should, uh, you know, have some dinner or something like that. So Jasper is talking to Zelda. And, you know, she's saying, he's like, so basically you're saying humans are fundamentally self-absorbed and, you know, they're talking some more. He says that he's been thinking about what she said about Fiffany and Hazel escaping through the tunnel. He's like, are there more? And she's like, there's a few underwater access tunnels and she could show him, but, you know, he'd have to go in there or whatever. So then at Twin Sands, Judith knocks on some lady's door and she was like just smoking a bong. And Judith is like, is Donnie here? And so she says some stuff, whatever. And then, uh, so that's her boyfriend. He recognizes, he's like, oh, you're that unhinged nun. So he's like, he apparently contacted her saying he had info on Hazel. He's like, it was a a little while back. Hazel was outside my house. Byron Gold called my phone and he had me tell her that Hazel was made for love. And he's like, and she was looking rough, blood all over her face. Judith's like, I knew it. That's more proof because she's brainwashed now. And I think that she has, you know, he has my friend Herb too. And I think that they're following me. So I I need another car. He's like, well, my car is in the shop. So you look at the bong smoker and Judith is like, can we swap cars for a few days? And she's like, hell no. She's like, but for the right price, I'll drive you. And then she's like, where are we going? And Judith's like, Montana. So Aaron chops off a chicken's head. He asks Hazel if she wants to help pluck or shuck the corn. You know, pluck or shuck. And Byron's like, oh, I'll help. He's like, you know. She's like, oh, I'd love to see that. And he's like, oh, well, you should you know, check in with your dad. So she, you know, she leaves the room to, to go call him. Um, then he says to Aaron, he's like, she thinks that we haven't seen each other since we were kids. And he's like, still weaving those tangled webs, huh? So she doesn't know about, and he's like, I'll tell her eventually. He's like, I'm just asking for you not to say anything as a favor. At the hub in the pasture, Tiffany and Hearing Bone are running from like three people I can't really tell who these people are, like what what they're doing there. Then Herringbone runs into like an invisible wall. And Tiffany she's like, what? You found a wall. So she's like, just find a corner or door. He finds a doorway or something like that. And he's like, she's like, where is this? He's like, oh, it's another circle of hell. So they go through and he says that the pasture cube has different landscapes with different mind flips, mind Fs he he looks back says the scenery has changed it must have disoriented the dwellers so because they're they're gone so Fifany says that she doesn't know how much longer she can do this she's exhausted she's thirsty and he's like oh that's i'll go look for some water or something like that but then he sees something kind of buried a bit he like digs it out of the dirt and it's a picture of young him and his wife and he finds like more pictures in the dirt like wedding pictures and he's like cursing his, you know th- these pictures are there to torment him whatever and then he finds another one It's 50, holding the baby at the hospital. Herbert's phone rings, and he's worried that it's the imposter calling. So he's silent. You know, he answers. She's like, hey, Dad. And he's, like, silent. And then he's like, "Uh, I can't talk because I have chili on the stove. And she's like, oh, I just wanted to say that, you know, Bengals and me, or Bengals and I. And he's like, oh, that's great. Got to go. Bye. And he, like, hangs up. So she was just trying to say that, you know, she was going to be, you know, a few days later or whatever. So then uh, Hazel sees like this open door and there's like a bunch of like rifles, almost like like automatic rifles and stuff like that. So she's like, okay, and she closes the door. At dinner, Hazel's like, so who's Alice? And Aaron's like, oh, that's just someone you know we used to know. And then he says to Hazel, you know, you could be her sister. And she's like, how long has it been since you've seen each other? He looks at Byron. Byron's like, well, Mom left when he was eight, and you know, took Aaron with her. Dad always complained that he was left with the run. And Aaron's like, well you got the better deal because with mom, I never knew where I was gonna sleep at night. And Hazel's like, is she still alive? And he's like, don't know. He asked you know, Aaron asked Brian Byron if he knows. He's like, well I tried looking her up once, but you know, no luck. So he's saying that mom took him, took Aaron away, I don't know if Aaron was eight or he was eight. So keep that in mind. A car horn honks outside. Aaron's like, "Oh!" He looks out. It's it's Leroy Fish and Aaron or Byron's like, "He's still alive." So I guess he used to always give them grief and stuff like that. So Aaron looks out the window and Leroy's like, "What's with the fancy cars up the road?" And he's like, "You know, was like we're watching you or something like that. They're watching you." And Aaron's he tells Hazel that Leroy shot your husband once. And Byron's like, "It was just BBs, you know. I walked onto his property," and Aaron's like. From that day on, it was war. He's like, we TP'd his house. We opened his livestock gates. um, And he's like, you know, last week I subscribed him to 10 fetish magazines. But it's like, wait, so they TP'd his house when one of them was eight years old or younger and stuff like that. So it's like, this sounds like stuff that he would do when they were like teens. So they laughed and everything like that. Aaron's like, oh, it's good to be together. And he's like, he tells Brian, he's like, I'm glad you're here. You know, it's been too long. And Brian's like, yeah, it's good to see you too. So Hazel's looking in Byron's old room, and then he asks, he uh, he's like, "Do you want to see my roof?" She's like, "Yeah." So it's like exactly like the the quiet, secluded place that he made. He turns on a radio that he built himself because he says they didn't have like TVs growing up. And she's like, "Why'd you change your name?" And he says, that "Growing up, he felt that he was born in the wrong family. Like maybe he was adopt. He looked for clues that he was adopted or maybe swapped at birth. So he would sit on a roof, fantasizing that." you know, someday he could be a completely different person. And she's like, I I get that actually. She's like, I wanted a new life too. She's like, that's why I married you. And then she's like, why did you want to marry me? And he says, I think I wanted you to save me. He's like, he thought that there was a chance that she'd be able to fix whatever was wrong with him. And then she's like, well, why have we never talked like this? And they both kind of laugh. Jasper is lying in bed. And then outside his window, somehow Zelda's there. And she's, you know, whatever. She says she can't stop thinking about him. She wants him and knows that he wants her too. He's like, I do. So she's like, I want you to swim with me so I can feel you, whatever. And then he's in the water, so he's obviously dreaming because he's, like, breathing, you know, whatever. And then um, he, like, wakes up, started. Then his holo virtual assistant, Paula Abdul, she's like, are you all right? Because, you know, he was thrashing around in his sleep. He's like, oh, I'm just getting used to you know being here. He's like, transitions are hard, and she's like, well, that's not all that's hard. <laughs> and she's like, some whatever those stuff. Hazel uh, tells Byron that, uh, you know, they're about to go to sleep, I guess, and and he's about to leave the room, and she's like, you can sleep in, in the bed with me if you want. He's like, are you sure? Because he was going to go down on the couch. And then you know they're they're laying in bed, and she asks if this b- brings back any high school memories. You know, did he sneak any girls up here? And he's like. No, he's like you're actually the first. Then uh, she asks, "Did you ever fantasize about sneaking girls up here?" There's like a pause, and he's like, "Yeah." So you know, he has his back like turned to her, you know, and then she looks at like over at him, and then she starts kissing him, and then they start moving. um, Then he's like, you know, making moves on her. Then she tells him to lie back so she can take control because he was always like the control freak before, and you know, he never he never wanted to. Achieve anything? He always wanted to. So yeah. So she's change, mixing things up here. Herbert's in a medical room. He's he's faking being you know knocked out. But then he gets up. He unlocks a drawer. He puts this like a chip tray chip on a tray thing, or whatever. Then Doctor Howe comes in, turns her back on him. He gets up. He grabs her and straps her down. And then the the drill comes at her head. He's like, I hope this isn't going to hurt. So this seems. A little like out of character. I mean, it just seems like Herbert's making a huge leap here. Just, ah, I mean, the the show is wacky and whatever, but it just it just seems like a little little much here. So inside, uh, VR Hazel's like it's happening, and then she starts fading. It's like who's even controlling? How is this even happening? So she tells VR Byron, she's like, "I'll be back for you." And then Doctor How opens her eyes. She's like, "Hey, Dad, it's, it's that easy." so she's enjoying sensations like drinking and she gets up like trying to walk it used to, you know, being in a body or whatever. And she thanks her dad for helping. And he's like, well, how will, will I know it's you and your body again? He's like, you know, they should have like a code word or something. He suggests, you know, something from her, her secret lang- made up language with bangles, like smears art rear And she's like, no, you're stupid. And he's like, well, okay. Then once you come up with an idea, she's like, no, that should be the code no, you're stupid. He's like, Oh, okay. Aaron wants to check on Hazel while Byron's not around. So he's like, you know, he says that she's really good with him that she only tell, but she only tells him what he wants to hear. And she's like, she's, what's that supposed to mean? And he's like, well, the other one never really figured out. And she's like, what other one? Hazel, you're not the first one he brought to the hub. Okay. And he's like, things did not end well for her. You need to get out. And she's like, what, what happened to her? then uh she looks in her purse and she panics because the device thing is gone and he says that he can help her but she needs to trust him byron comes in suspicious he's like the plane is ready because it seems kind of weird and is like oh you know he tries t- turning it around she's like you should stay longer and byron says that you know she needs to check on her father and he just like grabs her suitcase and purse and walks out so does byron did byron her the tracking device thing is gone on the plane, uh, he asked if she got to know him better, and she's like, "I think I did and then you know then she's looking off the side in her person with that, and he's like, "Are you missing something?" and she's just like, uh, no." At the house, it turns out Aaron has a device. he activates it, and then he's watching its cars and sirens and like SWAT trucks. they go to leroy's house. the FBI dude. He finds the device in the mailbox that says Elfish because it's Leroy. And he's like, all right, people, let's find a hub. And Aaron just drives away. So Aaron, I don't know what, what his his goal was and like how he knew what it was or whatever. But yeah, it, it, does, it doesn't make sense. Obviously, he wants to mess with, with Leroy, but it was like the perfect way to mess with him, I guess. Anyways, that's the end of episode five. 206, Alice, are you listening? So who the heck is Alice, right? A therapist is like, you've made a lot of progress these last few months, Alice. Are you listening? And she looks exactly like Hazel. I was like, what the heck is going on? And she's just commenting on this painting on a wall. She's like, that wasn't there last week. And she's like, like, yeah, it's new. She's like, do you like it? She's like, it looks like a picture of hell. And the lady's like, oh, it, it's interesting. You know, it's called Utopia. It kind of looks like the hub. It's like this futuristic, whatever. Stuff. So the la- lady, the, she wants to try a new activity. She takes out a Google phone and puts it on the table. And Alice starts like panicking, like breathing heavy. She's like, just breathe. She's like, the phone isn't even on. It's just plastic. There's no insights. It can't hurt you. And she's like, if you're gonna, if we're going to have you enter the world out there again, you're going to have to get comfortable seeing those. And she's, she's like, I'm going to slowly push it towards you. And Alice is like, she's breathing heavy. She freaks out. She grabs it, whips it against the wall. You flipping idiot. Now he can track us. Orderlies come in to like take her away. She's like, Byron's controlling you. He wants to control everybody. So it's like, oh my goodness. Back at the hub, Hazel says she's going to go change and check on her dad. But Byron asks her to hang on. He has, he has someone bringing something up for her. So then the Bruce, that guy Bruce comes in and she's like, how long have you worked for Byron? He's like 16 years. So she whispers, she's like, do you know anything about a woman he brought here before me? And he just like looks at her, but then Byron comes right back. And he's like, thank you, Bruce. So he has this black box with like a yellow ribbon on it for Hazel. And she's like, what's that? He's like, it's your mother, Hazel. And then he corrects himself. He's like, oh, I should say, it's dynamic reconfigure recordings of your mother. Before she spoke at the hearing, he didn't realize how much pain she was in, was still caring about you know her loss. So he's like, I wish I met her. And she's like, what do you mean by recordings? And he says, there was ten years of recorded calls from when your mom was a customer rep or a customer service rep at Cal Premium. He's like, it was a huge data set. It's it's enough that their AI engineers were able to create a program that predicts optimized real-time responses based on her mother's communications. It's not perfect, but she definitely was a talker. He takes out like an old style, like silver phone and everything. He's like, it's accuracy is about 84%. And she's kind of shocked. She's like, what? He's like, you can speak with your mother again. And he's like, I'll leave to give you some space. And then the phone rings. It rings like a bunch of times. She eventually picks it up and you hear Hazel, is that you? It's mom. Dr. Howe is like spinning in her chair behind her desk, which is whatever. Byron comes in and he asks her to delete the copy of Hazel's consciousness from the hub, from the hub cloud immediately. And she's like, What? She's like, I don't understand why. He's like, Well, Hazel is starting to trust me and I don't want to compromise that. And she's like, Oh, I see. Because you copied her consciousness without her consent. He says it was more of an insurance policy, but he now sees the error of his way. So he's like, Delete it. And she's like, well, I'll just need you to log in yourself because I don't have the authority. And he's like, okay. He's like, she says that he doesn't have to worry about Hazel finding out. And he's like, why is that? Because I already know. She jabs him in the shoulder with a needle and he's like out immediately. Then she like flips him off, which seems kind of silly. It's, it's like a callback to the first episode, I guess, whatever. So Hazel mo- Hazel's mom on the phone, she's like, what's wrong, honey bunny? And she's like, I can hear it in your voice. And Hazel's like, all I said was hello. And mom's like, I know you're hello. So Hazel's like, I forgot what you sounded like. So she's like laughing and she's in tears. And then her mom's like, how's daddy? Is he still acting like a grumpy dumpling? And she's like, he's good. He's, he's still a little weirder. And you know, she forgot that he, she called him that, whatever. She's like, I should go check on him. And she's like, okay. And Hazel, would you be willing to answer a few questions about your call today? And then she gets a little angry, and she like hangs up. Byron wakes up, and Doctor How, Virtual Hazel's whatever. She's like, "We did it!" So VR Byron is now in him, and so it's like, "We made it out." So she's excited. She gets to touch him. He's touching her. They to get to the, start. They start kissing. And then How Hazel, she's like, "Wait, not yet." She's like, "We should wait until I'm in my real body." She's like, "I want our first time to be perfect." So then Holo Paul Abdul asks Jasper, "How is he today?" Because um, at, at this point of him, you know, this amount of time being in the Hub, he sh- they should be more bonded, and, and he's like, "Oh no, I'm fine." And she she starts suggesting they could play cards, they could do what out, and he's like, well, "Maybe later." He's like, "He's got to go do something." FBI is still looking around Leroy's place. This other agent, I think it might be the main dude's partner. Um, he says either Hazel turned on on us or Byron found a tracker, and then this other agent comes up. He's like, uh, "We found a couple of skulls buried." So the main dude says, he's like, he wonders if they were, were a couple or something like that. Cause you know, they're like side by side, you know, so like an, like a literal couple. And then we see like Leroy's getting taken away. He's like, I'm innocent or whatever. Jasper tells, or Zelda tells Jasper that they're going to, if they're going to look at other tunnels, they'll be swimming into places she hasn't explored before. So it's uncharted territory, even for her. So she can't guarantee his safety. But he says, well, if, you know, Fifty's still in there, you know, they should try to, to find her. And then she's like, you know, you don't even know her. He's like, why are you willing to risk your, your life? He's like, well, if she, you know, helped make, you know, you or whatever, you know, she, there must be something good. They didn't make her, but whatever, you, something like that. Judith, Donnie, and, and the bong smoker are watching the feds at Leroy's. So th- Judith is kind of mad because they can't get any closer now, but Judith says that when Byron was living there as Greg Benson, he had a wife and she still lives around there. So they're gonna look her up. Hazel's in a bedroom, she's about to get changed, and then Herb comes in and she's like she so she sees her dad, she's like, Dad, when'd you find out? And then Dr. Howe, virtual Hazel, comes in behind him and she's like, What are you doing here? So he tells how to do what she has to do, and how's like, it'll be easier if you don't fight this. And Hazel's like, what? Then he yells, you're not my daughter. So Howe jabs her in the shoulder with the needle, she's out. And then how Dr. Hazel, or Dr. Hazel, Dr. Howe Hazel is like, I'm going to go get a gurney. So Herbert sits, you know, he's sitting there, Hazel's just laying sprawled out on the floor. Then he sees a boxer, he opens it up, he, he sees the phone. He picks up the receiver, just sticks there, and he hears like a click. He's like, Hello? And then you hear, my God, Herbert, is that you? Herringbone found some flavor balls. So he got some food. Tiffany's and I guess some water. Tiffany's like, honestly, I still don't feel any better. And he's like, oh, honest now. And she's like, if you have something to say. And he's like, well, if I'm being honest, I do. So he takes out a picture of her and the baby. And she's like, where did you get that? He's like, I poured out my soul to you. The least you could have done is mention you had a kid. And she's like, I don't. He's like, oh, come on, I know that's real. It's not a Bennett Photoshop job, he's not that good. And she's like, no, that's not me. That's my twin sister, (laughs) Bessica. So her name is Fiffany. her twin sister's Bessica with a B. And then it starts raining. So there's a flashback. We see Fiffany and her husband sitting on a couch and then someone's at the door. Then Bessica is there with her daughter and it's raining outside. And so she's like, come in, or whatever. And Beska's like, I can't do this alone. And Tiffany's like, isn't it time you told the father? And she's like, sits there and then she looks at Tiffany's husband. She She's like, Ignacio, that's your son. And he's like, what? Beska says to Tiffany, you weren't going to give him a baby and I wanted one. She's like, we slept together several times last year. And again, he's like, what? Tiffany's like, is this true? He's like, of course not. Beska starts listening. She's like, the places that they were in the house are together and then ignacio is like i didn't know he's like i thought that she was Fiffany, i swear and then the dog starts barking and according to closed captions the dog's name is zelda Fiffany's like you did know zelda always barks at bessica then Fiffany walks out of the house into the rain and they're at the door and they're like oh don't go out so in the present, she says that the rain there is her fault. It's her trigger because it reminds her tonight that she lost the two most important people in her life. She left the next day. She went to Washington, started doing research on animal communication, and she resolved never to trust a human again until herringbone. At the FBI Western um, District Office, the main agent dude and his partner are sitting in in their boss's office, I guess. So the main dude's worried that um that he messed up because he said something to princess Gogol to hazel he, I, he asked her like if she would have slept with jasper or if she did or something like that because he's how he thinks that jasper anyone would want to sleep with Jasper. and then she's like what so he thinks that he's like because he asked his partner. He's like do you tell him about that and he's like no whatever the boss comes in he's like there's no easy way to say this you're both getting promoted. The two bodies that they found were linked to this huge cold case. It's like some very rich and powerful people were involved. So they're heroes. And the main dude's he's like, well, what about the Gogol case in Jasper? Because you know, he's stuck in the hub. And the boss's like, well, that's a problem for tomorrow. He's, and he's like, oh, poop, tomorrow's Saturday. That's a problem for next week. Today, we celebrate. He calls his secretary and comes in with a the cake. They all start singing for he's a jolly good fellow. And the cake has like two like skeletons and graves like in the frosting. So Judith and uh, the couple, they they pull up to an address. Donnie's like, it's a mental hospital. And the the lady's like, you can't just drop in. You know, my my cousin was in a place like that. I had to fill out a bunch of paperwork and take a drug test just to visit. And she's like, there's also a sign there. It's like, no admittance, without approval, whatever. Visitors must check in. Judith is like, well, what was the security like there? And she's like, I don't know. She's like, I never passed a drug test, which is no surprise. VR Hazel wakes up in Hazel's body. VR Byron is there in... Byron's body, and she's like, it worked. She looks in the mirror. They hug. They kiss, etc. They go at it. Judith decides, you know, to swing by a costume shop. So they return to the hospital. So Donnie's dressed as a priest. The lady is dressed as a nun. Um, they start walking by it, and this dude walks up, like from the, the desk. He's like, whoa, whoa. He's like, wait, where, where are you going to? They start saying that they're there for communion. They're like, well, Father O'Brien or someone. He's like, usually does it. And they make this excuse that. He, he, some certain indiscretions came to light or whatever like that. So they're going to go and, and do the communion instead. Then we see, uh, Hazel and Byron are splashing in a pool. Bennett comes up, but then he feels awkward because he realizes they're both naked. And then, you know, she kind of comes up there like in like inner, like floaty things or whatever. And she's like, how are you? And he's like, you've never asked me that before. And then, you know, she's like, I'm going to go talk to my dad. And she gets out and he's like trying to avert his eyes and all that stuff. And then Byron comes, swims up to him. He's like, you know, even though you work for me, he's like, I enjoy spending time with you. And he's like, I feel the same way. Then we see Herbert's like staring at the phone. He you know picks it up. His wife's like, I can hear you breathing on the phone. And he hangs up again. VR Hazel comes in and, and he's like, is it you? And she's like, it is. And he looks at her and she's like, do you remember? She's like, no, you're stupid. Judith and the others enter like the common area or whatever. And then Donnie's like, that girl looks just like Hazel. So Judith goes up to her and she's just kind of staring off blankly. And Judith is like, Alice, she's like, I know what happened to you. You were married to Greg Benson and he hurt you. He, she asks, um, or Alice asks if she wants to play dominoes. So Judith sits there and she asks if Byron put her there. And she's like, no, I put myself here. It's the only place where I can be free from him, far away from the hub. And Judith's like, can you tell me where the hub is? And Alice's like, why would you ever want to go there? So, Judith says that her friend Herb's trapped in there with his daughter, and she shows her a picture of Hazel. And Alice, like, or she says, you know, she looks just like her. Judith's like, it's his latest wife. And Alice is like, well, he can be charming until you realize he just wants to control you like a pet. And Judith's like, he put a chip in her head. And Alice is like, oh, it looks like I got off easy. She's like, but I can't help. Judith's like, don't you wish someone would have helped you? Then Alice is like, I'm delusional, I never actually met Byron Gogol. So is she making it all up? I don't think so, because obviously Aaron knows who Alice is. So they decide to leave, and Judith's like, that was a complete waste of time and miles. And we see Alice sitting on her bed. There's a a picture next on a nightstand, I don't know if it's her parents maybe. She takes a picture off, she opens it up. Behind the picture, there's another picture where she's standing between Byron and Aaron outside the house. And it, it's recent, or, you know, fairly recent. They're clearly not, like, neither one of them is eight years old. So something is going on there. And then Herbert and VR Hazel and Diane are going to watch a movie. And he's like, oh, what do you want to watch? And she's like, invasions of the body snatchers. It'll be funny. And he's like, uh. So then um, she's watching. She kind of screams. And she's like, oh, I love this. And he's like, oh, I'm glad you're back. She... she She's like, oh yeah, I just I enjoy being here. This is fun, or whatever. And then, like inside her eye, we can see it's us. He can't really see this. No one can see this, but we can see like real Hazel silently screaming, and then VR Hazel's like, everything's going to be okay. She's like, I'm home. It just, I don't know. I still think it it just seems weird that Herbert is just like so easily to accept all of this that it's like this is clearly this no way is acting anything like his daughter and he's just like accepting it i i, I don't know it just seems really weird and i get it's a show it's supposed to be absurd but it's just like it they're cranking up the absurdity and uh i guess it's a show about a chip in the head it's just it seems like it's it's getting me too much but whatever that's fine so there's um I don't know if there's only two more episodes left. So, they're, they're, again, they're probably going to show them both next week. But that's how it goes. Okay, and now the movie feature is Firestarter. <clears throat> so this was a, a Blumhouse production. It has Zac Efron. And it's a remake of, was it, 1984, right? The original Stephen King. Uh, so it's a Stephen King book. Which I realized, oh, man, you know what I meant to do? I meant to, because I must have read the book. I think I'm pretty sure I read the book. I don't know where my books are. I meant to, I was going to listen to audiobooks. I don't know if I've ever listened to audiobook because I read the book w- way back. I'm pretty sure. But I didn't. Anyway, so I, I watched the original movie. Uh, like was I think it was like the Monday before the, the movie came out. It was on, so you can watch it on Peacock. I you don't have to subscribe. You can watch it on Peacock with ads because I think there's two layers to Peacock, and the ads weren't weren't really too. I was I was like, man, do I really want to watch it with ads? It wasn't that bad. They're they're kind of they're quick. They're, they're short. You know, they they just pop in, and there wasn't. I don't remember how many ad breaks there were, but it it, it wasn't really that bad. So, uh, that was that was good. So you know the, the original. It was, you know, you, you got to, there, there's something about the original one. You know, it's it's kind of a silly movie in some ways. But Drew Barrymore does a great job as, you know, as, as a child actor. And I wasn't that her her debut? Was that her first thing? So she does a really good job, just all the different emotions and everything like that. And then there's the fact that the movie, you know, it was made so long ago. So it was like, it was practical effects. You know, they had to use actual fireballs and, and stuff like that. So all that was good. The the overall story was a little silly. And the new movie, I guess I haven't said what I think of the movie, have I? If I'm being completely honest, I'd have to say I didn't love the movie. I wouldn't say... I I guess my, my big thing is when you're looking at a remake, why is a remake being made? Why is it happening? Is there a need for it? Is there something that it can offer that we don't have so while you can look at the original you can say yeah wow that was in the 80s it's a little dated but it's still it kind of holds up for the most part you know obviously some of the clothing and whatever cars and all that is a little dated but it's it's a a fine movie and when you look at like pet symmetry i love the original pet symmetry movie the new movie, I don't know, maybe I'd have to watch it again. I think what I, you know, what I didn't like about the, the remake is I felt that, again, it wasn't necessary. But what I will say about the remake of Pet Symmetry, they do flip things quite a bit. Like what happens with uh, Gage and Ellie, they kind of switch things around between the two kids. So that that kind of makes a movie that's almost identical, very similar at its core. It kind of takes it in a different direction. And then it kind of goes in whatever, you know, was it the best choice? I don't know. Maybe not. Um, but with Firestarter, I feel like for the most part, it's not really that different. Um, I would say if if anything, there's the difference is uh, the, the girl in question, the, the Firestarter, she almost has like more abilities. So let's back up. In both situations... So, in this movie, Zach Efron and his wife, in the original movie, it was Heather Locklear, and um, I forget the dude's name, but they're, like, college kids. They take part in some, like, drug trial tests, you know, experiment, you know, and everything like that. And in both cases, there's, like, some people are going to get this this formula, this chemical or something. Other people are getting, like, a placebo and it was going to affect some people and not have an effect. It ended up like some people like went crazy and were like dying or whatever, like ripping their faces off. And so basically the, the, in the original movie, I know that they met at this, they were side by side and you know, they're all in this big room and lying in beds, getting injected or or getting whatever stuff. So they kind of met each other and, and the original one, I love you. I've always loved you. But it's like wait, did you not just meet? I mean, I don't know, maybe maybe did they know each other? I don't think they knew each other before. So they they both get enhanced and then they have a kid who develops powers. And then the the people in charge of the program is called the Shop and Martin Sheen was in the original movie. He was like in charge of it. So they want want their assets back. They want to experiment and see like what's going on. And with the fire starter She's got like a, a, so much power, so much potential, and everything like that. And you know, could they weaponize her and train her and everything like that? But then, in in both situations, they're going to send like basically a, a killer out to f- get them because uh, the families are in, in hiding. And um, so we in the the new movie we see Zach Efron. You know, the, the, they're like living in a town. They're living under fake names and you got your typical stuff the girl's going to school there's a stupid bully kid that's making fun of her that unnecessarily and you know as she gets upset her power you know she's can barely control her power and that's where things are going to kind of escalate is where her powers are going to go off and they're going to get tracked and they're going to be hunted and and it's just going to kind of go from there now again uh, You know the, the the parents having different—I forget what the powers a mom has—but like Zach Efron kind of has more like psychic abilities. I think Drew Barrymore kind of had hints of it, but just here it seemed like it was, it was a little more. They start getting hunted, you know. But what's different in this new one? The dude hunting them has powers him, uh, himself, so he's supposed to be retired. And they basically call him in to, to bring in this girl who he kind of refers to as like his sister because, you know, she has powers like he does or whatever. In the original one, the dude just wanted to, to kill her because it was just like just weird, weird, you know, whatever. I don't know what was going on. So I guess on, on, in that regards, you can say that, you know, there's there's a difference there, that it's not just a regular dude that wants to go after them and stop them or whatever because of whatever power they may have, or if they're an abomination or this or whatever. But here it almost feels like he's being forced to, like he doesn't really have any say in it. And it's like, okay, th- you know, that, that's fine and all that. So we have that. And it just, I, I think the other difference is the original movie was, was about two hours long. This one is closer to, I think like an hour and a half. And it just felt shorter. With the original one, there was like longer times because when they had Drew Barrymore captured and that that you know they had them separate, they wouldn't they didn't want them together. But then the the hunter dude was like trying to like sneak, make friends with her, and you know just to try to sort of manipulate her, or whatever. Because you know they were trying to see if they can convince her into using her powers. You know she didn't want to do anything. she didn't want to cooperate because she wanted to see her dad and everything like that. So there, it just felt like it was like more was explained or we got, got to see, we got to see her using her powers more. And in this, I don't know. It just, it felt like we didn't see as much. I mean, I don't know. I mean, did I fall asleep in the middle of the movie? I, I don't think so, but it's just, I it felt like something was, was missing. I just, I wasn't like as sold on it. I mean, I think Zach Efron is, he seems like a really cool guy and you know, he's a, he's a good actor. Um, he, and he was he was good in the role. He was he was a little harsh with with her in the beginning. Like she's got to shut down her power. She can't use it because you know that that's too dangerous and everything like that. And he's just like he's like, yeah, this is your fault that this is happening. It's like oh, that's a little like way harsher than tough love. Oh, because there's like one part where they're wandering on the run. This cat comes. She sees this cat. Or you know, Zac Efron sleeping in a car, and she's like, oh hey kitty, come here. The kitty comes up and it scratches her, and then she reacts. And b- burns the cat, and he w- w- comes out. And he's like, "Oh, you have to finish it, it off now. You know, you can't just let it suffer." So he makes her kill the cat. He's trying to teach her everything, but it's like that—that's a little harsh. <sighs> so I mean, it's just really hard to to say. You know, it—it it doesn't have great reviews. You know, I'll, I'll say that uh, it's looks like. Oh my goodness, this right? Let me look this up. It's currently. At a wow, it's even lower. It was. It's at a fourteen. It's at a thirteen percent on Rotten Tomato. Audience score is a forty-nine percent. And yeah, with wooden acting, applauding storyline, several cringe-worthy changes to the source material, twenty twenty-two version indeed starts to fire, a dumpster fire. I hate stuff like that when you're looking trying to make a soundbite quote whatever. Pretty okay when no one is talking. At least this one is more mercifully short. A waste of talented cast and crew that somehow against all odds makes a 1984 film seem like a staggering achievement in the realm of King adaptations. Firestarter lacks a spark of anything more than mediocre. Zac Efron lends a modest amount of star power to the proceedings, but the story is so uneventful that it seldom rises above a low boil, etc., etc., etc. Here's one that liked it. Here's what nobody else will say. Firestarter 2022 is almost a lot of fun. The weird F-bombs, the strange jaunts into full-on horror. the way the film is unafraid to use the superhero word, the fact that it, it exposes stranger things. oh, that is great. Eh, I don't know about that. So the way it, it kind of ends, it almost feels like they want to try to make like a, a sequel or anything. I cannot see it happening with the reaction to this. you know, it's, It looks like on IMDB. It's at a is it a 4.8 4. out of ten, yeah. It's just I I, I don't know. And uh, like I, I said, maybe if I didn't just watch the original, I might feel like you know that this wasn't necessary. I I don't feel it was necessary. Is anything really necessary? You know you can argue that whatever. But it just I don't feel like it really added anything. Music by John Carpenter, awesome. But other than that. You know, I would say the best things I like... And the girl was was fine. The music was great. Zac Efron was good. The girl was good. The story... It's a no for me, dog. I just... I think this might be my least favorite movie of the year so far. And... You, and I know that doesn't really say much because I'm I'm only seeing movies that I really like. And, I, and, by, and by movies, I mean theatrical movies, not if I watch some random thing on, on, you know, Netflix or Hulu or whatever. So it's, it's just, it's disappointing. And I, I don't know, maybe I wanted more, but it just feels like, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what, what the answer is. What, like what, what would I have wanted? What would have made it better? I just feel like it was just lacking a little something and, I don't know, so and that's that's I guess that's all I have to say because I mean I'm not going to sit here and just you know complain about it because there's just that that there's that's it nothing else for me to say so it's too bad it doesn't mean it's it's a bad movie like I said uh, maybe especially if you haven't seen the original in a while you might be like oh this isn't too bad but um, one of the things that happens at the end like you know the walking off into the sunset type of thing i'm like really after after this and this after this happened it's just like okay and if if you see it you'll know what i'm talking i don't want to spoil everything I, i feel like i did spoil some but that part there's a scene walking away on the beach i'm just like i get it i get what they're trying to say but i'm just like no anyways that was fire starter and now i got the prodigy song stuck in my head <laughs> if you know what i'm talking about so on that note that is going to be your kind of short episode of the random podcast from heck thank you to big thanks to dave mcphail and andrew loken they are awesome big supporters you can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gman from heck any amount you can commit to will be awesome if you um commit, if you support at the Rick Jones here, I'm losing it. Rick Jones here or higher, you get access to that secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. Often talk about comic books, talk about Moon Knight because I love Moon Knight. So it's so much fun looking back at the original ones. And it's so weird, especially like the Werewolf by Night comics. If you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gmanfromheck. Did I say that? Did I get it right? Coffee.com slash gmanfromheck. You can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or two since I'm messing that up so badly. ko-fi.com slash gmanfromheck. Okay, what is going to be next week? That is a very good question. So this is one of those situations where I'm not really sure what's going to be next. So... I think um Chippendale Rescue Rangers comes out on Friday. A movie called Man might be coming out as well. So Man is a I mean, just look up the trailer. It's an 824 movie. And uh it 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 looks looks weird. So I'm hoping my theater will get that. Looking, um, I, I don't see as I record this, I don't see any times listed yet, uh, and I don't think I'm going to do Downton Abbey. I, I'm kind of curious. I haven't seen the last Downton Abbey. I never saw, like, the last two episodes of Downton Abbey show, and then I didn't see the last movie, so obviously I'm not going to – and I don't know if – and I'm not sure how many of you want to hear me talk about Downton Abbey. <laughs> it would be interesting if I tried. So, uh, yeah, we'll we'll see – what the feature will be next week. Maybe it'll be Chippendale. Because I'm looking forward to Chippendale. <laughs> I don't know how that would be. But, man, look at that trailer. Man, does that look weird. Um, it's it's 824, so you, you know what that means. So, we'll see. And um, the shows, same shows, Superman and Lois. Did I mention, I forget if I mentioned, I think I said that the May 31st episode, I don't know if I said this last week or not, the May 31st episode I thought was a season finale because... IMDB kind of that they only list that they usually have like um, stubs for the other episodes even though they they don't have a release date or a title but they didn't have any it just that was like the thirty first was the last episode but there's more so thank goodness it's not the end there's gonna be more to the season other than that I I guess that's about it the following week is gonna be Top Gun. I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I don't know if I'm looking. I think I'm looking forward to that. We'll see. I definitely need to watch the original again before that because it's been so long. So have that to, to work on. Other than that, I hope you are doing well. I hope you are staying safe. Uh, there's been a lot of COVID cases at my school. Kids, just be careful. Everyone, just be safe. Wear a mask. Wash your hand. I went to the theater yesterday. It's like I'm the only one wearing a mask. And you know, I'm, I'm going. Like I, I just. I, I just don't, it, it just seems so weird. Whereas like, you know, I, I have been potentially exposed, you know, there's been like a kid, you know, cause some kids, they went on this big trip or whatever like that. And I, you know, I had to take a test cause I, potentially I was exposed. I had my mask on because I have been wearing my mask ever since, even though you don't have to, So you know, it's, things have been relaxed a little bit, but it's like, you don't know when, when you're walking by someone, you don't know. I don't know. So. I'm going to keep wearing a mask for for a while because I want to stay safe and I, I don't want the inconvenience or anything. So stay safe, take care of yourself, try to do something fun for yourself and make sure you remember to be good to each other.